All right, we are here again with Dr. Antonio Graceffo, and we this is going to become a regular routine, which I, I enjoy doing this. But we actually have uh, quite a few things to talk about going on, um, even with uh, she basically securing his power. We can talk about that because I thought that just kind of happened. Um, and then some other things we're going to talk about, which we won't mention right now. We're just going to kind of roll into those and surprise the guests and see what they think. Hey, how's it going there, Doc? Good. How are you doing there, Sage? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So one of the things I did want to ask you about was uh, the committee meeting, the picking of the dictator, the pick your political dictator conference. If, if, it's not and, person. and the surprising, yeah, <laughs> the surprising outcome of that. Um, picking. But I think it was also more about um, who he's taking with him in the committee. Right. I mean, like the, like the other party members um, than him. Correct. Yeah. So basically, when he changed the uh, term limits, it was only for himself. It's not for anybody else. Right. So like Lee Ke-chung is the, you know, essentially the number two guy. And uh, he's the guy that I deal with because that's the financial economics guy. And he will have to step down now. So and, and that's weird for me, too, as as an analyst, you know, you get, you know, obviously I've never met him or anything, but you right. have you know, an understanding of that person is like him. And then his Wang Yi is the, uh, the uh, foreign affairs guy. And like, and like the two of them, I'm, I'm just used to dealing with them, you know? So it's kind of weird. There's going to be a new guy there and I'm going to have to figure out how this new guy operates and what he thinks and what he says and, and all that sort of thing. So what the, the, the guy that you dealt with, what was more of his um, motive? Like what, what did he kind of operate? What was his mindset? Well, it looks like, well, you know, obviously none of these guys can operate on their own. So whatever they're doing, the party made them do it. And I mean, the last few weeks, he's been extremely active. He's been kind of flying all over the world, you know, talking to everybody. And I think a lot of it is doing damage control and trying to, you know, suck countries deeper into China's mm -hmm. orbit and trying to get there ahead of the U.S. Because the U.S. luckily has, has really stepped up their engagement with a lot of parts of the world that we were neglecting, you know, you know, we, we neglected, you know, you, you know, as a logistics guy, and, we, and we've talked about this off camera a lot. I mean, like the uh, South China Sea, you know, the Indo-Pacific is just so important. I mean, it's just so incredibly important. And the U.S. kind of neglected our, our engagement with some of the smaller countries there. And the fact that they're small, have tiny GDPs, don't really have an army, you know, you know, very limited military. Right. right. But they're still really important strategically. And we need to keep them in our sphere and we neglected some of them we wound up losing the solomon islands they signed a security pact with china you know and that's the kind of thing that Wang yi has been flying all over he's been here in mongolia and he's been just flying all over sucking these people back into china's orbit reaffirming that you know the, the relationship with china and thank god the u.s has really stepped up our engagement as well and we got uh solomon islands to sign a deal with us uh, about a week or so ago which was really nice, a security deal. So they, they're going to be very secure. Well, <laughs> they got, yeah. they got yeah. one with China, one with us. They play in both sides. Yeah, and I don't know how that works. I mean, at, at what point, I mean, a lot of their stuff's like that. Um, they actually refused to allow one of our Coast Guard ships in um, to yes. refuel at that point. But they yep. allowed the um, USS Comfort in, right? Comfort. Yes. Or the, uh, yeah, there was Comfort. The Mer Mercy or the Mercy, Comfort, yeah. Right. Um, to come in. And, and that's good. I mean, we go a lot of times we go and provide medical care and dental care and things like that with the comfort and the mercy. And that's kind of their mission. Uh, but to refusing to allow the uh, Coast Guard vessel in for refuel, it had to be diverted to another area to get refueling. That kind of set a precedence there. So it, it's yes. kind of shocking 
um, to see that, you know, they're also like, well, maybe we shouldn't just completely team up with China uh, because that could be bad. But yeah, that- they, um, and in fact, it wasn't just the U.S. They, they refused. I can't remember if it was a U.K. vessel or an Australian vessel also. I think maybe even on the same day. And their argument was, I don't know, something about like a paperwork thing. You know, they, you know, they didn't want to flat out say we're not going to host the U.S. or the U.K. military anymore. Um, right. they, they, you know, they, they, they had some plausible deniability of some kind. Yeah. And, and, and that, of course, and, and that's one of the things they're going to do. They're not going to put themselves in a direct. No, we're not doing this anymore. Right. It's it's oops. Uh, we didn't dot this I and cross this T. You can't come in. What? You, you know, yeah. so that's kind of what they did. So, oh, you know, I'm glad you brought up the Coast Guard, you know, so Sage, I'm, I'm going to brag about you. OK, so Sage, Sage is, a, is a veteran of the United States Coast Guard, which, in right. my opinion, is not only the forgotten force, but what the, like this Coast Guard mission is so interesting and so important. And if you're in the Coast Guard, the statistical likelihood that you will do something very interesting and important is very high because the Coast Guard is really small and they go out every day and they have a peacetime mission. You know, whereas I was in the Army and, and I wound up doing nothing. I mean, I enjoyed it, but uh, we, we right. didn't, you know, we didn't get deployed to any place interesting. But Coast Guard, you do all the time. And something I wanted to run by you, do you know that the U.S. military only has one military icebreaker yes um and it, that is i think that's the one that's deployed up in um oh man hang on it's deployed out of um the west coast right it's deployed out of uh i can't remember the thing yeah we only have one and guess which service it belongs to well the coast guard coast guard yes right and it's yes. actually deployed, and and that was a big thing too because we um a lot of and, and the reason for the icebreakers is obviously you need them to clear paths to get transport to get logistical stuff through. But we I can't remember where it was deployed out of uh, where it's based out of. I mean, um, this uh, this week I've been working on um, on some uh, uh, national security stuff that's related to Russia and China in the Arctic. Yeah, because they're they're and, building massive yeah. amounts of ice breaking uh, barges and and even they're designing some of their. Um, anchors to basically be steel hauled to be able to break through ice also um yeah where I, I i'll have to look up now i'm gonna have to put in the comments because now it's driving me insane because i was at a small boat station um this, i'm gonna be honest with you the last thing i wanted to do was go on an icebreaker thank god i didn't um but <laughs> not that it's not an enjoyable thing if you're on an icebreaker sorry but it wasn't my thing um but yeah and that's that's a big the coast guard does also is run that icebreaker to be able to open logistics up and keep things moving yeah, and and honestly, I mean, like I said, I have huge respect for the Coast Guard, but I really feel like they just shouldn't be in combat. I mean, that that should not be, or you know, they 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 have real law enforcement, anti drugs, rescue, and all that. And I just feel like when we deploy them into combat, it's almost, I I don't feel it's the, it's the best thing to do. Yeah, and, a lot of the things we did when uh, combat oriented was um, like we had a guy from the station that went overseas to basically protect the ports, to protect the ships in the ports. Um, yes. When we were doing that. So that was a major thing. Also, during uh, Normandy, it was a lot of uh, BOSA mates, Coast Guard men that actually took the landing uh, teams to the to the shore. Uh, right. To get them on there. So they were deployed. Those were Coast Guard men who ran the people from Normandy to storm the beaches and drop, drop them off in the boats. And I think the only one that's ever won the um, Congressional Medal of Honor was one of those that actually put his ship in the line of fire to allow a bunch of men to get off their boat and, and go do that. If I that's recall amazing. that. Yeah, and also the most famous Vietnam War movie ever made, not the one with John Wayne. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, that was they tried out. They they figured out that they wanted those river patrol boats, but they couldn't figure out which service should operate them. And so I think some of them were Coast Guard at one point, and some of right. them were Navy. And and actually, the one in the movie is actually Navy, which uh, people people missed that point. This one oh, army guy. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, know that. The, yeah, it's actually a Navy patrol boat, and then only the um, what's his name, the main character Willard, uh, Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen Martin is Sheen. the is the special forces guy, and all the other guys are in the Navy. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that in the movie. I didn't even know. Yeah, that. you know what? I wanted to run that by you because, um, and also it, it relates to what we just said about Solomon Island. So, like, why is the Coast Guard in the Pacific right now? You know, and and the answer is that they are protecting uh, ports. And what are also some of their other missions over there? Because I know that part of our Indo-Pacific defense plans involves the Coast Guard being over there in those little islands. Yeah, well, a lot of things with people understanding, because even with Haiti, um, United States Coast Guard is technically a, a law enforcement. We are based on law enforcement. We So the Coast Guard, what they did was is they would have MOUs, which was um, Memorandum of Understandings. And Memorandum of Understandings basically say, hey, um, we're going to go ahead and work with your police departments, right? Your to, and we're going to help law enforcement in regards to that. So with like Haiti, when Haiti got out of control, people were saying that, oh, the Coast Guards, you know, we're invading, we're attack, you know, we're the, the militaries. No, we sent the Coast Guard because the Coast Guard can work on a law enforcement aspect right. with right. Haiti law enforcement right. aspect, right? And that makes sense because that was it was officially that may have been a UN action, I think, because even China had. Uh, troops involved with that. right it's all yeah. based on a memorandum of understanding they understand like we sign agreements and stuff so a lot of the other stuff that we're doing is we're doing fishery patrols uh in in waters uh around countries that might not have that want to protect their waters but don't have a uh, a coast guard per se aspect to it or can't right right, you know, right. For that um so we help in law enforcement aspects for, for fisheries protections uh boarding of boats and and for safety and stuff like that also if you're u.s flag vessels um and of course drugs and and even immigration so one of the things or, or guns coming in so another thing for haiti is haiti has an, another issue with guns coming in illegal guns coming in well the, now you have the coast guard out there kind of patrolling are these guns coming in how are they getting in are they being boated in and snuck in and things like that so that's also another aspect for law enforcement right illegal gun trafficking right um into haiti and stuff like that so a lot of the patrols that the Coast Guard are doing is is working with other countries under MOUs that right, say, right. will you help our law enforcement? Will you help patrol our seat waters? Will you make sure that, you know, drugs aren't being boated in and, and things like that? Um, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I mean, even places like the Philippines and relatively large countries with a decent sized military, their Coast Guard is probably not as developed as our Coast Guard. Right. Um, I'm, in fact, I'm sure it's not. Yeah. So a lot I'm sure of times yeah, a lot of times we do the 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 training for the law enforcement. So there's times right. that we'll send people there, or, or they'll we'll send people here, and we'll train them, and then they'll go back and they'll train their people. So in law enforcement tactics and things like that, and that's usually where the Coast Guard um, is a big part of that. And that's why like I said I watched another video that they're like, oh, there's a, a Coast Guard gunboat. No, we don't we don't have gunships. We don't have gunboats. We have a gun on a ship. But if I wouldn't consider that a gunship, um, battleship, maybe destroy, you know, things like that are gunships, um, right, aircraft right, right. with m guns on them. Uh, those are gunships. But law enforcement now has got other teams, which is called um, MMSTs and MEs. Um, and those are 
billets that you can basically have that is more law enforcement based. Like they weren't there. They were the when I was getting out, you were either a BM, which was a BOSA mate, or an MK3, uh, which is a machinery technician engineer. Those were your law enforcement billets. Um, and at that, I was an MK. So at that point, now they're creating MSSTs just at the end of my before I got out, and that was a uh, basically your special force guys in the Coast Guard. And then they, now you have MEs. So, with the Coast Guard, Coast Guard would also be defending or protecting U.S. Uh, naval bases overseas or bases yeah. that have U.S. ships in them. Is that right? Yeah, all U.S. ships, yeah. basically, the Coast Guard would be the yeah. one uh, protecting those and on patrol right. and running security for that. Okay, that all makes sense. Yeah, that's that's um because I deal with that area a lot, the uh, Solomon Islands, you know, Pacific Islands and all that. Um, and I know the Coast Guard's involved there. I knew about the Haiti situation, you know, this week and that that may escalate um and that would be the i i, I would assume most of that's going to fall in the coast guard rather than the military and also i think it's a way of the u.s being able to send an intervention force but without actually sending the military without sending right the, you know the, Navy and that's the, big the aspect of the coast guard and and everybody's like well they you know they fall under the department of homeland security um and so why well how is this our homeland well it's the law enforcement aspect of it at one time right. it, the united states coast guard fell under the department of transportation yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. When I was a merchant marine, so merchant marines and um, Coast Guard were under Department of Transportation. But during time of war, Coast Guard could be moved to the Department of Defense. Right, and that now was a rule prior to yeah, whatever the year long was. Long time yeah. ago, right? And then yeah, they just long time, ago. <laughs> yeah, long time ago for me. So basically, they basically said, "Hey, um, we're just going to put you under Department of Homeland Security, and then right. we're done. We, we can do this. We can do that." Um, and they can work with, and this, this allows the Coast Guard to work with different, everything from customs to local police departments to, to sheriffs to, and then technically go overseas and, and, you know, work with, as long as the, obviously the country has to request, we can't just go over there and do law enforcement. We have right, to have right, that, right. that MOU, uh, which basically gives us, you know, that countries basically said, yes, would you guys be willing to, um, have authority and work with our police departments and stuff like that. And so that's kind of what's going on in Haiti. Cause I've answered a lot of calls with that because. Everybody was like, oh, we're going over there and invade. No, we're not. We're not. No, no, no. That's a Coast Guard ship. <laughs> so yeah. at that point. so What about last time after we shut off the camera, we had an even better discussion and the audience missed out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. we were talking about uh, we were talking about Greece and you were showing me some great maps of um, of of the Mediterranean, Caspian Sea. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> sorry, uh, Mediterranean and up into the, the Black Sea and stuff like that. Now we have... I think what nine nine bases in Greece, and then we have assets. Uh, I think in Cyprus and that. Yeah, would there be Coast Guard over there as well? Yeah, and there there a lot of times they're going to commit one. Yes, they're probably if if there's a port, there's a good chance that you're going to have a Coast Guard ship if we have the assets to go and and protect that. A lot of times, what happens also is Coast Guard personnel um, are are basically set up and detached to a Navy vessel. Right. So some type mm -hmm. of Navy vessel, if they're out there doing patrols, they'll have a Coast Guard team on them. So because then that Coast Guard team has a lot more law enforcement authority than the Navy does. So at that time, you dispatch that Coast Guard. Hey, remember, you know, and uh, usually those can be like um, that's going to probably be gunner mates um, and maybe maybe a BM or an MK. But that's an actual um, detachment that goes on Navy vessels for that type of um patrol you know patrol so they can do le got but you got you it's, it's also based on like i said the coast guard's not as large as the navy 
You know what I mean? So it's kind of, they're probably more focused. And I didn't do uh, overseas stuff, uh, but they're probably more focused on areas that are, you know, if there's like, I think, um, let's say Iraq and, and when you're in areas like that, whatever port the Navy was basically at there was more dangerous um, mm -hmm. let's say some other ones, but yeah, they'll go into those ports and basically, you know, run protection and run security at the ports and that's coast guard because it, now you're, you're law enforcement, right? So right, right. I'm in that country. I, I now have an MOU. I can detain and technically arrest and hand over to local authorities. Somebody that comes, tries to come on to, you know, this area where a Navy person technically that they don't have the arresting authority of somebody. Mm -hmm. That's that makes sense. That yeah, that's true. You I, a local government would probably never want to grant the power of arrest to a military, to, to military, <laughs> even though it's friendly right. and it's in there's an agreement. You're allowed to be there and all that. But, yeah, I could see that. Right. And that's yeah. where the, the Coast Guard can kind of come in, run security as a, as a law enforcement agency um, rather then, than as a military. And then up there in the Arctic. So, so one of the issues doing um, security analysis for the Arctic, right, is that the mm -hmm. U.S. only has the one icebreaker and russia has about 40 military icebreakers i would imagine they have other wow. ones as well that they could use but they have 40 military ones and we only have one um but that also means that if we have a war or some sort of combat operation up there it means coast guard has to go yeah and, and some of the ships that are designed to be able to break through ice um like some of the cutters and and even like a, I was on a 47 so even the 47 could break through i think four inches of ice um, it, but it's not designed to specifically break through huge, thick ice. Right. So that that's, but a lot of the cutters can break through different, uh, thickness of ice, but the icebreakers, that's that specific task. So if, if mm -hmm. a, a cutter has to go up there, um, they're going to be able to get through some of it. But like I said, the icebreakers brusting through all of it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's going through and that's, um, and it's different too, cause we also have buoy tenders and things like that. So you're also as a coast guard out there, you know, cleaning buoys and, and plopping them back in the, in the water also. But the icebreakers, like I said, that was something I, um, I don't know much about to be honest. Cause I, I one, I never wanted to be on one. I, I mean, specifically never wanted to be on an icebreaker. Yeah. I like the cold, but the, to me, it's just like drive through that. Okay. Um, but besides yeah, when I was that, a when I was a merchant marine, when we got our first ship assignments, mine was in Hawaii, and my friend standing next to me got assigned to the North Sea in winter. Nice. Yeah. Did you guys, I'm surprised you didn't, you know, wake up with yours switched with his. Uh, I don't know what happened. I, you don't look anything like this guy in this license. I don't know. You get Shanghai'd. Uh, exactly. So now, one of the other things, too, I wanted to talk about to, uh, with you while I have you is um, bricks, real quick. Yep. Um, how is, what, how are you on bricks information? Like that was a, the name actually, it was established for what, what was the original establishment for bricks? So bricks is Brazil, Russia, India, uh, China, China and okay. South Africa. And it's basically, uh, a trade organization, a trade grouping. They do not have a security agreement yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they are discussing having a reserve currency, but China is discussing that with a lot of people. So, and so a lot what, of different, yeah. And with, like Saudi Arabia wants to be a part of that also. Like what benefit does it actually give people to be a part of BRICS as of now? Um, they might have trade preferences. I, I don't know the exact details of, of what the benefits are for, for inside of BRICS. Um, I know 
the things I have to track are things like whether or not they they develop this this currency or if they wind up signing a defense agreement or something like that security agreement. Um, because then, and also the fact that Brazil is in the Americas, right, mm-hmm. that right. makes it very much our business whether or not Brazil signs some sort of security agreement with China. So as of right now, there is no security agreement. There is no reserve currency. I would assume that they have some kind of um, trade preference, you know, between those countries. Mm-hmm. But the other issue is that without even analyzing all of those countries, my assumption would be that uh, they probably run trade trade deficits with China. Mm-hmm. Um. The exception, there might be, I'm not sure about Brazil. We'd have to look it up. And uh, Russia, I think, actually may run a trade surplus or may have run a trade surplus with China before. But now because of the uh, all the economic sanctions on Russia, it, it, trade's going to be you know upside down now. So maybe that Russia may actually have to buy more stuff from China than they did before. But, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, India. The other issue with, with India being in BRICS, you know, India is kind of they kind of got one foot in one foot out as far as like which side they're going on you know um they tend to be closer to russia than we would like they hate china so if there's a war with china or there's some problem with china most likely india is going to be on our side if there's a war with russia i i can't imagine india would take the field to support russia but but very likely that they wouldn't as of right now, we don't know whether or not they would like condemn Russia if they would um, stop trading with Russia, that sort of thing. And they've stepped up um, their energy purchases from Russia as well. And I think that they're working on a mechanism now to pay in rupees and rubles. So and Saudi Arabia wanting to join BRICS, I, I, are we is this something that the fundamental base of BRICS and the writing and the treaty or however they agreements that they have would have to change? If you know, I mean, because what does Saudi Arabia bring to the table other than like, let's say, oil and money, right? All that Saudi Arabia brings to the table is oil, money, and maybe uh, a bit more prestige, right? Saudi Arabia is a bit more important in the world than, say, South Africa, right? right? Um, no, no, no insult to South Africa, by the way, right? But, it, um, <laughs> the fact that the oil and stuff that they bring that yeah. controls and the OPEC nations, because you know, and so. If they were to come over there, it's it's basically just okay. We'll trade. It, 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 since they're a trade pact, Saudi Arabia coming to the table is basically saying, okay, we'll give you b- more trade on oil at that point if we come into BRICS. Or how does you know what I'm saying? Like what what benefit are they bringing to this trade deal? I don't know. And and you know, China keeps trying to get Saudi Arabia to agree to trade oil in yuan, and mm-hmm. so the Chinese state media is saying, you know, Saudi Arabia is considering joining BRICS, and if they do, then we'll be one step closer to trading oil in yuan. But I I just don't believe that, because Saudi Arabia's entire economy is based on the fact that that oil is priced in dollars, and they get paid in dollars, and that we have an agreement with Saudi Arabia that they're allowed to buy some of our debt before it goes to auction and things like that. So Saudi Arabia is so they're benefiting so much from the dollars. I just can't imagine that they're going to agree to accept rand and, you know, real and, and rubles and things for, for oil trades. And also, do I, do, does Russia need to import oil from from Saudi Arabia? Like, I, I'm not even sure if that's a thing. Right. And that's why I, I'm a little shocked because yeah. they're making a, a monstrous deal of it. Now, of course, Saudi Arabia just cut back two million barrels a day. Uh, we go there begging for for it, and they say, "Well, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you a dime." And then they cut back, you know, seventeen thousand dollars is basically what they did. You know what I mean? So 
but the issue is is that what if if they do and oil is sold in one and is sold in that it's not going to like it's not going to be sold in american dollars also but worst case scenario what happens if it is sold in one I, I can't even picture what that means because they'd still have to price it in dollars and then they're just going to make the trade in yuan. But then that's that means Saudi Arabia is going to have to hold yuan in reserves. Because right. they'll sell the oil to China and then they'll get yuan back. What are they going to do with the yuan? You know, and they probably only buy so much stuff from 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 China. Right. So. I, I don't know. I, I don't even see what it is that they want to do with that. What they want to achieve. I, I see what China wants. China wants. Oh, to, right. Right. Yeah. China wants you want to be a, you know, an internationalized currency. Um, and it's not like China is going to buy more oil from Saudi Arabia. You know, it, you know, one of the things about oil is that oil sort of defies the normal laws of uh, supply and demand because everybody has to have oil. Mm-hmm. So even when the price goes up a lot, the demand doesn't go down by that much. So right. making the deal better for China isn't necessarily going to make China buy more oil. China needs a finite amount of oil. Now, it would be better for China to get the oil cheaper, right? Right, Because that'll lower the price of everything that they're producing. They're already competing on price, right? But um, I guess, and it, I, I can only see benefits for China. Like, like, look at the yuan right now. The yuan is at a record low, or it's a many it's it's at a several decades low right it's it's, it it broke seven to the dollar right why in the world would saudi are you you know do you believe that saudi arabia is sitting there going you know i wish we had had we had got you on three months ago before it dropped so now our reserves would be worth less money yeah because that's what would have happened if they'd been paid in you on three months ago that money is now worth less than it was three months ago so why would you want that yeah, plus, I mean, I and this is where I get confused, too, because it's like, unless they're doing it just to, to kind of smack us in the face and say, hey, we're going to join BRICS, now what? You know what I mean? Basically, United States, how do you like them apples? I just don't see the benefit to Saudi Arabia. I, I, I can't figure it out, because it, because even China's known to manipulate their money. China's known wanting to be going to, to digital, uh, their digital one. And Saudi Arabia is not going to go with a digital one where poof, it's my money's gone. You, you know what I mean? It, it, it's like what? So I, I'm a little confused. Um, and of course, we get everybody in the world saying, oh, we're going to get rid of the dollar as soon as they get over there. I'm like, well, no, we're oh, it's not. nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. They can't. Uh, they can't. I mean, especially Saudi Arabia. Like that's that. I mean, that's why we have this weird relationship with Saudi Arabia, where on the one hand, they're in many ways our closest ally in in that region, mm-hmm. uh, and in many ways, then they're, they're you know they're our enemy, you know, and 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 this has a lot to do with it. They're very much dependent on the dollar, but in a way that they would prefer that the dollar remains. They, they don't want the dollar to crash out. I mean, their whole economy is based on the dollar, and a lot of countries have are holding dollar bills. That, and I try to explain this that, I mean. And I, two things. First thing is dollar crashing is not what everybody thinks dollars crashing. Uh, but two, dollar crashing hurts so many countries. So many countries hold the dollar, like all of them. Just about, you know what I mean? Basically, in, in, some, in, in some aspect almost that that's not something that, you know, because if Saudi, if we if our dollar crumbles, Let's just say, or, or drops or crashes in, in regards to that. You also Saudi have, Arabia's reserves would crumble. Exactly. 
Yeah. Like, and, and all OPEC technically countries, what would possibly get popped in some aspect. Yeah. Uh, all of them. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Saudi Arabia is extreme because it's richer and because they have this deal where they buy our debt before it goes to, to auction and all that. But, uh, but you're right. All like any, any oil producing country is getting paid in dollars. Right. And right. if you're, and if you're an oil producing country and you're sitting on a bunch of dollars right now and you're trading with China, everything you're buying from China just got really cheap. Exactly. Right. So you're not sitting here going, wow, I wish I was, you know, I had all these yuan, so I'd be on par. It's like, no, it's now I can actually buy more stuff. I My dollar went up, the yuan went down, right. I can buy more stuff from China, you know, if you're importing from China. Right. And the last thing other countries want, if you're buying stuff from China, is that yuan, because now then it, now China's in the, in, the, in the driver's seat, and now everything's, you know what I mean? So it, it, it's, it's a balance that... that Geopolitical type stuff in geo uh, economics is a balance of trying to keep everybody honest in an, a very corrupted situation, right? Yeah. Everybody's trying to get somebody else to crash and everybody's trying to get this to crash. But as a player in this game, you have to realize that, okay, what happens if this, this U.S. dollar crashes? Uh, we can't just replace it with the one, right? Because you're right. You, no, no. You can't just, or you can't just replace, um, the euro or or things like that i don't know the names of all of them but you do but we it's it's something that's established people are holding it and and what we mean by holding it is you have that money it's your money right it's sitting in your banks per se digitally or whatever that poof it's just gone something's going to happen right there right. that's that's not okay right it doesn't just disappear and and particularly with the yuan versus the euro or the dollar or anything else, is that the yuan, there's only one government that controls the yuan and decides what happens to the yuan, and that's Beijing. And one of the things they have, they have capital flight rules in place. Like, you can't just pull your own money. If you have a bank account in China, this happened to me when I left China in 2019. I had, you know, large amount of money in the bank there, and I couldn't take it out. There's very strict rules you on how much money? money you can take out. So how did you get your I money? Up, I wound up uh, going to another country and waking up every morning and taking out $250 from the ATM machine for every like day. a year. <laughs> That's oh, how I got my money out of China. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that that's a problem, guys. That's a problem because at this point, this is that's the control that China has. And that's not the countries want sometimes money to be spent because you want to buy their goods. You want to be able to move this. You want to be able to move that move money, spend it the way you want. They don't want a controlled, well, who, who knows with the digital dollar, but right now they don't want that China style control money. It's not right. good. And, and I deal with this all the time. It's like, people are like, dude, you have no idea. People are like, Oh, we've just moved. The United States is now a gold backed currency. All countries are now gold backed currencies. I'm like, well, I don't know when this happened. Um, I don't think so. Um, and Definitely then nonsense. everybody's like, you know, with Ch we're China and, and, and we're going to be dealing under a new BRICS currency. Um, and that's, you know, that our crumble dollars are going to crumble. So hurry up and buy gold and silver. Um, that's usually the end key buy gold and silver. So, but it's, it's not, even if there's a BRICS currency, that's going to be traded amongst BRICS countries. Right. Right. That's you right. see what I'm saying? Right. So, it, it, and which fine, go ahead, <laughs> trade amongst yourselves. When you do, when you do a, um, when you do like a security analysis on, on a country, right? So one of the dimensions that you look at is the 
influence that country has on its allies, uh, mm -hmm. economic influence and so forth. And of course, when you look at the United States, number one, the U.S. has real allies. Correct. You know, you know, we have real allies. We have we have countries that that there is zero percent chance Canada is ever going to attack us. There is, you know, a 90 certainly in terms of history, every war except for the, the Vietnam War, Britain has gone right. with us, you know, like like we have real allies, you know, and like China doesn't and or they have very few and, and Russia has very few. And then when you start talking about countries that you have influence over, as Americans, we take it for granted that our military has bases overseas. We mm -hmm. take it for granted that when you travel overseas, there's other Americans there and everybody speaks English. And, you know, you could buy like ho-hos and, you know, what, chip right. peanut butter or whatever. Like you just take that for granted like, because that's the world that we live in. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute, if I'm if I'm Russian or if I'm Brazilian and I go overseas, they don't have my stuff there. They don't speak my language there. My country has no influence over anybody. So if they had a BRICS currency, right? So 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 this is this is what they would do. They go, well, well, we'll establish a BRICS currency. And then, okay, India, Brazil, all the members of, of, of BRICS, whichever countries you have influence over, convince them to use this BRICS currency as well. Right. Okay, but how far is that going to go? That's that's like South Africa has probably some influence over Malawi. Right. You know, right. You know, it's it's so minimal. It's 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 insane. Um, Russia has influence, some influence in, in here in Mongolia and in Central Asia, but I can't imagine they're going to drop their currencies to use a BRICS currency. It's just not going to happen. And the other issue is that all the other countries in this region hate China. So right. while while they feel you know a certain connection to Russia, they absolutely hate China, and that makes BRICS type negotiations and discussions very problematic because these countries don't want to fall deeper into China's China's orbit in any way. So, you know, who's who, who you know, who is going to start using this currency, which is very different than like, you know, e even the EU. Right. So the EU adopted the the, the, the euro. Right. And then because France adopted the euro, there, there are probably I don't know, I think there's about five or maybe eight countries. Maybe five, five or eight. Countries, I don't remember the number exactly that are not part of the euro, I'm sorry, they're not part of the EU that use the euro. You know, like okay. like Andorra, I believe, uses the, the euro. And, uh, you know, it's a couple of small countries. And it's mostly because they had some some relationship with France or they had some relationship with mm -hmm. some other European country, you know, but, but it's not that much. So when you're the U.S., I mean, you just have an incredible amount of influence over all these other countries and nobody else does. And that's where China just keeps running into these these roadblocks. They're like, we're going to do what U.S. did with NATO. We're going to build a NATO. It's like, OK, but nobody trusts you. Yes, you can loan people money and get them in debt and, and coerce them to join your 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 thing. Right. right. But that's not the same thing. Like right. Greece wants to be in NATO. You know, Greece wants to be in NATO. You know, we didn't coerce them, you know. Right. And, and I think the other thing, too, is and I've, I've talked about this. It, China wants to be the, the the Indian trading company, right? Or they want to be the Amazon of the world, okay? Now, the the problem is is that the Indian trading company eventually had its own navy, had its own military, right? And they became their own I don't even know what you're going to call them, original almost like their own little country out of this little building, right? Cuz they had a navy, they had this stuff. Yeah. Well, no, the, they, I mean, you were a commissioned officer in the East India Company, correct. which is separate than the British forces. Right. So they, they, yeah. so to me, it was just their own little country. This building was their yeah. own little country, right? Well, what, what China, when I look at China, China's an Amazon. So Amazon doesn't have a military. 
<laughs> you see what I mean? Like you don't look at China. I You looked at the East Indian co- company back then where they were trying, and this is what China's trying to do with the Belt Road Initiative and stuff like that. But right now they're just an Amazon warehouse, a monstrous Amazon warehouse, right? And that's what they're looked at as. Now it takes years to become that East Indian trading company from being that monstrous because right now everybody looks at them as, well, you're the Amazon warehouse. We get goods right, from you. Right. We get stuff from you. We're not expecting Amazon to protect us if we go to war, right? We're right. not looking at Amazon saying, well, Amazon's now a part. Now they might offer logistics and planes and to move things, but they don't have gunships. They don't have military vessels. They don't have tanks. They don't have soldiers. And the, when I look at China, I see Amazon warehouse. I don't see, at least as of now, East Indian Trading Company, right? Yep, yep, and yep, yep. that I think China's having a problem trying to break the mindset that we're Am- we're just a big Amazon warehouse, right? We, we yeah, no, I totally Amazon. agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I, and China, you know, they have a um, what's the word I'm looking for? The you know, they want it. They want their due. You know, they want respect. You know, they want to 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 be admired, and and that's one of the things they want to be admired as. You know, this powerful military, and they're going to replace the U.S. And just like you said. Um, even the Solomon Islands signed this security agreement with China. It's a security agreement. It's not a defense agreement. Right. So even that, they can't even get anybody. They, they, did you know, I don't think China has a single def- defense agreement with any foreign country. Uh, I don't think so either. I don't think so. I think there is, there is a security component in um, the Shanghai, uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization. There is a security component, but there is no national defense component. So yeah, even that you can't get, whereas the U.S. signs defense agreements, you know, with you know Japan or Philippines or whatever, like these are these these clearly state, you know, the U.S. military will will be, you know, on your uh, your territory or in your waters or in your skies. And we will defend you if, you know, under these circumstances. Right. And nobody is willing to enter into an agreement like that with China. I mean, nobody, you know, the Philippines, Duterte at one point got angry at Trump and, and he canceled the uh, defense agreement. And then China immediately stepped in and said, oh, well, we'll be your defense. And Duterte's like, oh, no, no. yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just playing both sides own. here. Well, <laughs> I'm just waiting for the U.S. to give me more money. <laughs> right. And and I think this is something now, like I said, now are they pushing for that? They absolutely are pushing for an Indian uh style yes right 100 100 but they're not there yet and they're not in in, they're not there yet for a couple reasons one rather than being rather than selling um oh my god what did indian sell it it was replaced with sugar what were they basically moving what's that i'm sorry what what was the indian trading company's main trade thing it was that was technically molasses or um molasses and um but not like not 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 nutmeg was it or something oh i'm not sure i can't remember spices Right, spices basically, where China's these goods, but the issue is, is that that they just can't they can't break that mindset into dominance with it. Does that make sense? Like, and and more and more people are basically saying, "Hey, the minute they go in and they do some type of you know debt control where they take over the debt, and then next thing you know they own the spot because they right." We we basically say, hey, look what this is what they're gonna do. This is what they're gonna right. do, and then they do right. it, and and then the people are like, ooh, I don't want to give up my country right now. You're right, I don't want to give up sections of my country to China. So I think it's difficult for them to break that mold. Now I do think Taiwan's gonna be an issue, um, yeah. and that's something we can talk about. But 
It's just, yeah, it's far, but um, just for a quick uh, about the BRICS and then this uh, East India Trading Company metaphor, right? When Rome was the number one, mm-hmm. right? When Rome was the power, you wanted to live in Rome because it was the richest, most developed place, you know, right. in the world, basically. And then Rome had this power extending out over, you know, all, all these other countries. Uh, when Britain was number one, Britain had the highest standard of living and Britain had the best currency. Mm-hmm. China wants to be number one and about a, at least a third of China's population are in poverty. Right. Do you know this? China keeps issuing these statements saying we lifted so many hundreds of million yeah. people out of poverty. And you know what they're using as a measure of poverty? The UN baseline for poverty, which I believe is $2 a day of income. But okay. that is the baseline of poverty. But China is now a lower middle income country, which means that the baseline for poverty is $5 a day. Right. Just oh, like in yeah. the U.S., we have a baseline for poverty. It's like $20,000 a year. Right. That's right. if you yep. earn less than that, you're, you're in poverty. OK, so. Um, so in China, it should be they should be looking at this five dollar number. They're not. They're looking at the two dollar number. And when you look at the five dollar number, it's like 30 percent of the population of China is still poor. Mm. 30%. Can you imagine that? 30% of the population is earning less than $5 a day. $5 a day. And I don't see, and that, just like you said a couple seconds ago, people want to go live in Rome. People want to go right. live in Europe. People want to go live in the United States. I don't see people going, a massive amounts of people rushing the border to China to want to live in China. Right? right. And China's not issuing, and China's not issuing passports. They probably issued 2,000 passports to foreigners over the past, you know, 20 years. You know, the U.S. has whatever, 700,000 new immigrants a year. I mean, you know, new American citizens, mm-hmm. you know, and Britain has a lot. You know, Canada has a lot. And then uh, China's maybe 2,000 over a period of 20 years. They're not issuing them. As a rule, people don't want it, but they're right. also not issuing them. So how are you Rome? In what way are you Rome? In what way are you Britain? You're not allowing immigration. All, you know, one third of your people are living in poverty. Your currency is is useless except that somehow you 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 manage to get the imf to include it into the uh, special drawing rights currencies but in what way are are they rome or britain or the u.s i mean i just don't see you have no allies everybody hates you like on what level are you britain or the u.s or rome right and that's everything too it's like even if you go to um Let's say New York has like a little China or Chinese restaurants and things like that. You still pay with cash. You still pay with green dollar bills or credit mm-hmm. American money here. You know what I mean? So it's even there. I don't even think they would take one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if you're in little China or Chinese restaurant that basically they are, I, they're not even, you know, take technically taking one or how would they do that? And that's, you know, Chinese restaurants or Chinese businesses in this country. Right. But if you go, you know, I can go to a, a, a country, go to another country and have some American. Everybody's going to take cash. Everybody's going to take, you know, our dollar bill. Maybe not cash, but our dollar bill. In, in yeah, I mean, almost almost anywhere in the world, even if they don't officially use dollars, like hotels will accept dollars or they'll make some sort of arrangement to accept dollars. You know, if, if you know, if you show up and uh, I just came from the airport and, you know, I'm really tired, I need a room and, well, you know, I didn't change money. I just have these dollars like. Most of the world, so they're going to make some kind of an arrangement for you to be able to use your dollars. But if you showed up with yuan, that's not the case, you know. I think what I'd like to do is I'd actually like to do a show. Maybe this is something we can put together. I'd like to do a show on what a crash 
technically kind of looked at, like, looks like, like what? Because I think people think the dollar's going to crash and it's going to, you know, we're going to be using it for, you know, starting my, my winter fires, you know, th things like that. But I, I, and and maybe this is something we can do in in a in a three part series or something or four, you know, what I mean, where we can kind of sit down and say, okay, here's kind of what 1929, and I have no problem doing the research too, you know what I mean here's what technically a a crash would look like a crash would be you know this because i think that confuses a lot of people on what the dollar crashing because everybody kind of threatens it right i'll tell you what i would like to start with i would like to talk to someone who believes the dollar is going to crash and then i would like them to walk me through what they actually mean by that you want me to get them on do you want me to find <laughs> sure that would be awesome i would love that you know, because okay. last time, like two times ago that I was on your show, right, I was talking about gold. And I said, I don't even know if these people, if they're saying that there would be no more credit if we were on a gold system. You know, because a lot of the proponents of gold, they're like, well, if we were on gold, the government wouldn't have debt and, and we wouldn't have government debt, we wouldn't have inflation. I'm like, so are you saying there'd be no credit? And then someone in the comments after the show said, oh, you know, that, that Dr. Antonio is an idiot because everyone knows that when they used gold. There was a fractional reserve system. I'm like, you know, there was, and, and you're right. They did use a fractional reserve system, but I don't know what people actually mean when they say well, we're going to be on gold and then this is going to, you know, stop all the debt. Cause if it's fractional reserve, we're going to be exactly where we are right now. Oh, I'll bring people on. I'll literally make awesome. show. <laughs> I'll schedule. I'll tell you what, I'll put it out there that anybody who wants to be on, I'll bring on a panel uh, and, and see if anybody. That'd be awesome. Somebody in favor of gold, somebody in favor of the dollar is going to crash. Yeah, awesome. I, I absolutely because I get confused. It confuses me, right? Because the people say this stuff, so I absolutely yeah. um, will put together a show, and I'll I'll see if we can get Will on. Even if here's the thing too is even if Will like I do the day shift, so even if it's um, Will has to run it at night, I'll have Will host it, um, and you can be on with Will, and he'll bring people on or some you know to talk about this. Um, but I absolutely would that would be a good show because I think that's. Maybe that's the starting point. First, we need yep. to hear what they think. And then yep. we can say, okay, let's do a three-part series explaining this because this is yep. not how it works. <laughs> the, 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 the book that I, uh, the international trade book that I'm working on now that's hopefully going to come out um, in the new year. But um, what I did in the gold section in there was I just Googled the phrase, something like the U.S. should be on a gold system, like, like you know, various various, various uh, incarnations of, of, of that phraseology so that I could find articles explaining why the U.S. should be on a gold system. And then I looked at what the benefits were they were claiming. And then I actually put them all in my book and that, well, not all, but, you know, like the top right. 10 or 12. And then I responded to them. I said, okay, students, I said, this is one reason people believe we should be on a gold standard. But this is my response to that, you know, and all the way through. And I, and I did a paper like that. I published a paper like that maybe five years ago about Bitcoin. And it was like, you know, why, you know, the, these are the 10 benefits that are most commonly claimed about Bitcoin. And then this is my response to each of them. But I would love to, yeah, I would love to hear from somebody straight up. So I'd love to ask them, I'm like, well, if we're on a gold system, if you're picturing a gold system that is going to somehow end our government debt and end inflation, I'm assuming you're saying there's going to be no credit anymore. I don't know. And if that's what they're claiming, how would we do any? How would you ever build a skyscraper? How would you ever build an airport or build a, you know, a jumbo jet? Like you can't do that without credit. So I don't fully understand, you know, what they're saying. And then the other question I always have for them, they never have an answer. I tried discussing it with the Bitcoin crowd, but they are um, on average um, less 
educated. So when I was saying to them, like, okay, explain to me how the Fed would regulate the money supply if we're on this digital currency, you know, a fixed supply of digital currency. And they didn't have an answer for that. They, I mean, they did. They called me names. Right. And that's, that's where I'd love that because I could, I could absolutely host and moderate this. Trust me. I'd love this. Um, so the other thing too is, and, and for my, for Bitcoins and things like that, my issue is, is that what if somebody hoards it? What if you have somebody, a rich person who eventually can hoard Bitcoin and one eventually, right? Now there's none left for you. Then what? You know what I mean? So that's that, that you see what I'm saying? Like the Bitcoin, there's, there's only so much and you can do this. Well, so let's say somebody eventually takes all the co- or country. I'm not talking a person. Let's say a country buys all of this Bitcoin because there's only a finite amount of it. Um, what happens when that happens? Like, country- well, yeah, I mean, well, 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 that was kind of kind of one of my arguments that I actually got it from Warren Buffett initially. Warren Buffett was the one who said because uh, he's very much against gold. Right. And so and he said something brilliant that just stuck with me for years. He goes. Well, there's not enough gold in the world to support the world economy, you know. So we looked it up, and it was—I don't remember the now uh, now nine trillion or twelve trillion dollars worth of gold that even exists, right? So it's not enough to support the world economy. But then I took that concept, and I've been thinking about it, thinking about it. I go, well, if you have a finite amount of currency, every time a new baby is born, right? The the they become poorer. You know, if you have a hundred dollars worth of gold and you got a hundred people, we get a dollar each. Everybody has a baby. There's 200 people, so what? We get 50 cents each. <laughs> so right. Every that's, time a new baby is born, like the world gets poor. Like I don't know how that works. Now, now I've been told though, with these cryptocurrencies, can't they split or something like that? They can. I am not a crypto person. I've tried to get crypto people on, but I don't know if they watch my other shows and and feel look at me and like, okay, he's got way too much critical thinking going on there. We, I'm not going on his show. Um, but that's usually what I just I can't seem to get people on um, for the crypto because for me. Um, now I did have Ryan Macbeth is a, um, I've had him on, he's a pretty big YouTuber. He's somebody that, you know, you should watch he's ex-military and he breaks down the Russian type stuff. Um, I have had him on and what he basically, he also is a computer programmer and stuff. And he basically created Bitcoin. He's like, he created it. He created it. He's like, I just created it. I just created it. You know what I mean? It's like, this is, it's not, it's, you're creating money out of nothing. It doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? You can't. So he kind of broke that down and he did it with his, you know, he did a little skit on it, like a Jerry uh, Seinfeld skit and he to kind of break it down. But he basically made it where he made a program that went and did Bitcoin. He just I just. Created right, yeah, it's, it, apparently it's called mining and I don't fully right. understand how it works, but they can well, mine the Bitcoin. And, and yeah, and, and, and one of their arguments is, well, the government creates fiat currency out of thin air. I made Bitcoin in my apartment, so it's better. Right. And and then what I try to explain is like, okay, but the country backs that. So right. are you going to back it? Like, so when I come to you, hey, I've got a hundred thousand dollars worth of your coin. I want my money in cash. Right. You got the money to back that? Because the government does. <laughs> you, you know what I'm right. saying? The government, when they back their dollar, they give they they can exchange that for something. Can you? For taxes. I mean, that's basically what it is. Right. It's backed by taxes. Yeah, and and then the other one is the the gold people. I, I did about I've done a number of papers on gold. I can't remember five or six of them over the years, but um, you know, one of the points I brought up was like all these people like the dollar's going to crash and the world's going to go to like a gold center. Like, oh really? You know which country has the most gold? China, right? No, the U.S. Oh, the U.S. has it. Oh, I thought. Oh I yeah, yeah. And if you look it up, 
uh, if you look it up, you should ask Jamie. Just you should have a Jamie, like uh, Joe Rogan has Jamie, and he'll go look that up, Jamie. But uh, no, yeah, if you bring it up on Google, um, the U.S. by far, I mean, dramatically more gold than than the rest of the world, dramatically more, and um, and we also hold other countries' gold as well. So mm. oh, maybe that's so, it. Maybe that's it because I, I thought China had a ton of gold. Maybe they're second. China may or may not be second. I seem to remember. Oh, my goodness. Somebody's going to write in the comments. He's wrong. Uh, I seem to remember the U.S. had more gold than like the next three or four or five countries combined. It was like something insane like that. Like, yeah, dramatically, dramatically more gold. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to look it up. OK, you keep talking. You can don't look don't up. tell yeah. the audience I'm looking this up. Yeah, that's his word. That's yeah. I'll, I'll let him know. I don't care. I look up stuff all the time, um, but no. I and I think the biggest thing is I will absolutely have somebody on that says you know, we're going to be a gold back currency and 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 or silver buy silver buy silver. Now, does silver and gold hold um, money? Are they worth something? Could it be worth something? You know, down the road if you give it to your kids and kids and so on and so on. Sure, you know what I mean because they. This is what I. This is what I. I buy a piece of silver, let's say, for my kid, and I throw it. I give it to him everyone, every year for Christmas. He paid nothing for that. You know what I mean? He paid nothing. So down down the road, he might be able to sell that or something, and it's, it's, it, yeah. it might be its price. You see what I'm saying? That is the biggest argument I have with all these people who say that. Like, oh, you give it to your kid. And be right. well, yeah, but, but his cost basis is zero. Correct. That's the his point. His cost basis is zero, and he's going to spend it 50 years from now. Correct. And this is where it's so it's not like, right. So like a car might depreciate if I buy my car, this might depreciate. Right. So this might hold its value. So by the time I'm done, he might have $10,000 worth of silver that he can technically, if he needs it, either pass it down to his kids or, or, or use it, you know, sell it. But he, okay, I got, I got numbers right. for you. All right. United States has the highest gold reserves and it is more than number two is Germany. Number three is Italy. Number four is France and the combined of Italy, France, and Germany is still right about the same as the U.S., right? So, so, so the U.S. has dramatically more than any of those three countries. And when you combine those three countries, it's very close to what we have. Uh, it goes United States, Germany, Italy, France, Russia, and then China. So if the world goes to a gold-backed currency, um, the U.S. is still the richest. The U.S. is still the richest, and a lot of other countries are in trouble. And remember, too, though, that's our gold reserve. We also hold gold for other countries. So the total gold that's in the U.S. is actually considerably more than what our gold reserves are. And we and this was something we talked about theoretically until the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And then suddenly we realized, wow, we really are holding other countries cash, cash and gold. both. And oh. um, yeah, we've told Russia they can't they can't have their money. We didn't take it. We're just re removing their access to it. Right. We're just saying, no, we can't open up the bank. We can't open up the vault. We don't know the code right now. We forgot the uh, combination to the code. <laughs> that so. guy is out today. <laughs> yeah, that guy's out today. Bank marriage on vacation. No, and 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 yeah. I'll but that was part of the Trump thing that when Trump said we were going to sue China for starting COVID and then all these uh, liberal media attacked him. They're, oh, that's impossible. And he's an idiot. And how would we even claim? Like, how would we claim? He was that this exactly. Trump is like so pragmatic like, like okay you know you could argue you're not he's not a good diplomat but no. just for pure pragmatism he's like wait a second what you're saying is they owe us money and we have their money mm. <laughs> like yeah. why don't we take their money <laughs> and pay us back what they owe us yeah <laughs> brilliant 
It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so simple. Like, I swear, yeah, exactly. It's almost like a ninth grader or a high school student could come in and say, wait a second, wait a minute. I owe you money, but you hold my allowance. Why don't you just exactly. keep my allowance? <laughs> and then I don't owe you money, mom. You know, I'll see you next they week. They owe us this much money, and we have that much of their money in reserves, yeah. and you can't figure out how to collect it. <laughs> Make right. a phone call, move that from one vault to the other. <laughs> We're exactly. Done. And I think this is, but this, I think people are so confused or not understand because money's not easy to understand, right? Economics is not easy to understand. I can't get people to understand economics 101 and trucking, let alone right. your level of economics, right? I mean, it, it is a, to supply and demand and trying to break, I, I am a constantly doing videos or trying to explain economics, supply and demand in regards to trucking rates. You know, right. it, it, it's like, it, let alone your level of dealing with country and global economics. It's like, it's, it's, it's difficult. People don't get it. You know, I blame, I mean, a lot of it, I blame on the education system and also like, and I'm not plugging my new book, but I'm just explaining that the reason why I did the book and why I did the courses and the courses can be online and all that. But the whole point is that I follow Austrian economics and Austrian economics. It, it's a school of economics. It's very conservative, but the idea of Austrian economics is that it's human action at the core of every concept of, of Austrian economics is human action, human action causes supply demand price it all comes from human action it is not a math class you do not need advanced mathematics to do economics you need to understand people and how they make decisions and what they do mm -hmm. and it's so important but you're talking about austrian economics is competing with you know chicago school of economics and london school of economics where the, you walk into a graduate level economics class it, it is nothing but advanced math and formulas and calculations on the board right and there's no mention of human beings and no mentions of, of you know, hamburgers and T-shirts and things that people actually have to buy. And it's just so upsetting. I remember in China, you know, because I went to uh, School of Economics, Shanghai University, it's where I did my post postdoctoral studies. And I was sitting in this classroom and it was just equations after equations after equations on the board, you know. And when they when we all had to give reports on what we were working on, our research, I got up and I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at um, Chinese lending in Africa. And, you know, this is what happened in Ghana and this is what happened in, you know, you know, whatever it was and uh, whatever country and, you know, cobalt, and nickel and why we need it. And it's shipping across the ocean and, you know, making computers and cars. And um, and I just remember the students were just. It, like like they they were shocked that I had all these words and no no equations and that I was talking about real people and I had pictures of people these are the guys that work at the cobalt mine you know in in Democratic right. Republic of Congo or whatever and you know this is what they're earning and and this is where they live in their house with their family and you know this is what they need to eat and like they were just blown away by this because because that that's not how economics is taught you know mm -hmm. and and like okay. you're doing shipping. Yeah. So basically they're, they're doing, they're just teaching high level dollar bill, a high level currency mathematics where economics mathematics. is how every, how all of these aspects affect the, yep. the currency. And so they're all, all they're teaching is high level currency mathematics. Yeah. And, and, and like you're doing shipping and it's funny that you said that, you know, and I tell my students about you all the time, by the way, you know what, maybe we're going to do a show. Yeah, or you're going to come into my classroom. That would be yeah, so awesome. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. Have you come into my classroom? Talk to my students. But uh, I talked to my students about you. All right. So, like mm -hmm. you just said to me, you have trouble making people understand supply and demand related to shipping. Yes, I have trouble making people understand supply and demand about labor. 
I have trouble making people understand supply and demand about currency value because they think, I don't know, somehow they have a supply and demand, they learned it, and then they don't know how to apply it to the real world. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, people say, like, like, why did why did the dollar go up in value? I go, why does anything go up? More demand. Oh, the demand went up. <laughs> why did the demand go up? And and they start trying to make a calculation, or and I'm like, there's a war going on in in Ukraine. There's right. you know, there's a currency crisis, or you know, oil crisis, whatever energy crisis in Europe, and people are freaking out. When people freak out, they want dollars. You know, right. just, this is human. We have, yeah, and I have a, a, a the biggest thing right now is what we, which we talked about was, um, and I sent you a couple articles and stuff. How quickly the prices shot up, like when when freight started to get there and there was a managed demand, there was shortages and stuff like that. Freight prices shot up to the sky because we we didn't have enough trucks to cover the amount of demand because we broke the algorithms. Right, the algorithms were say, hey, you should be running out of toilet paper right now, and we know that, right? Well, they were calling and saying, hey, we're out of toilet paper, and that's not possible because everybody and their brother went right. and bought toilet paper. So now the algorithm right, is like, oh, right. my God, I got to hurry up and order because it takes me 190 days to get it from China or whatever, right? Yep, yep. So, and also you told me one of the problems was that they were order- we were ordering things we didn't normally order or in larger norm- numbers, in larger like numbers. computer screens and home workout equipment and stuff like that. Right. So now it's like, okay, so there's a bunch of this stuff and people want it. So stores are like, oh, my God, people are buying up all these computer screens. I need to have more. I need to have more because they want it. It's under demand. Because you're all working from demand. home. Right? for it right people want it it's not just sitting there it's flying off the shelves so stores then bring it in and of course they raise the price and so on and so on but now what happens on for me to try to explain that even though fuel prices like a lot of truck drivers think that fuel prices base the price for shipping i'm like no demand right demand fuel is 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 a is just a another factor in your world what what percentage if you know what percentage of the cost of shipping anything is fuel? Uh, labor and fuel. So labor's your first, fuel's your second. So it, it's okay. up here. I'd have to pull. Um, actually, I can cheat. Let me cheat. Can I delete this out of here? Because that was one of the big points I was bringing up with my students and then also in my professional work was that when petrol went up, you know, a few months ago, and then we had this huge inflation. People like, oh, the inflation is because gas went up, petrol went up. I'm like, well, the petrol went up by, you know, X percent. And it only makes up X percent of every, something like 10% of the product price of any product is based on the, the price of petrol, something like that. Yeah, let me save this. This was basically put, I put on my community page um, and I can send this to you. Um, can you open it up right from your, if I send it to Twitter? Oh yeah, sure. All right. Uh, this was done by, um, hang on, it's on there at the bottom. Uh, DAT, um, JP Morgan. JP Morgan estimates from DAT and the American, it's the American Trucking Research Institute. Uh, and this kind of gives a little bit of a breakdown in regards to some costs. And 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 the reason I did this is I did a video, I did two videos on how dynamic pricing is mm-hmm. now being used with AI uh, in regards to trade in regards to trucking. Okay, so AI and dynamic pricing, like we are normal truck pricing, is a static pricing, meaning you, you just give a price. I'm looking for a price. How much to do this? The truck driver says, "Well, it'll cost two dollars a mile, right?" And he factors it. Normally, the average is for diesel price is five dollars a gallon, and it's going to cost me this and this this. Well, shipping's a dynamic industry. It's, it's always changing, right? It's not a static, you know, industry. So what COVID did was broke the system financially 
for, for customers who budgeted for things. Like, so if I'm a business, my job is to make money, but you broke my, you broke my logistical budget and blew it out of the water. So mm -hmm. now businesses are doing damage control for that. How do we make this mm -hmm. whenever this never happens again? So what they're doing is they're now moving towards a more um, dynamic marketing, which is AI infused uh, pricing for trucking. So now what the AI can actually figure is the AI is literally taking things like geofencing. Um, it's taking things like average truck uh, diesel uh, along the route. Like it'll calculate. So even though you're factoring $5 a gallon, well, the AI can look at it and say, well, the actual average is only $4 a gallon if you go this route. Mm -hmm. All right. And it takes in the fact that how many trucks are in, like if you have a load going from Dallas to um, Georgia, uh, let's say Savannah, Georgia. Well, it looks at how many trucks supply and demand, how many trucks are in Dallas right now? Are there, you know, more trucks than loads or more loads than trucks? Oh, so in other words, th th there might be too many trucks are being used there, but there might be a place that although it's further away, they have some trucks free and it might be cheaper to take the longer route or something like right. that. Right. So no, what happens is, let's say, so when I post my load in Dallas, if there are 100 loads and 1,000 trucks, I don't have to post for that much. I can say oh. I can do supply and demand. But if there are 100 trucks and 1,000 loads, got I got to pay high dollar to get one of those 100 trucks to take my load over your load. Okay, right? I got you. I so got you. It, it takes all of these things in, including and does everything AI can do. I mean, uh, we're talking everything. Yeah. In that scenario where you've got 100 trucks and 1,000 loads, mm -hmm. right? So you can... If you're shipping something, you yeah. may have to pay for storage. Uh, I, I might either have to pay for, I might have to inform the customer, look, um, uh, what's your budget for this? Because I, I can get a truck for $5 a mile instead of $2 mm. a mile because I can pay, you know, an extraordinary rate because money talks. Or I go to them and say, if their budget's like, look, the most we can do is three. I might say, look, we might have to warehouse this until somebody else, until gotcha. more trucks flow in or until it's a better time of the month or until we can actually see if we can schedule someone to take a route this way to get your freight to go back to where they want to go, right? Mm -hmm. So that that's where the warehousing can also come in. But this is also where the AI comes in. So the AI also monitors these trucks, and they know which trucks like to run which routes and which ones like to go which way, and they use all of that into their advantage. So one of the things I try to explain is that – if there are a hundred trucks and a thousand loads, supply and demand dictates that. Right. right. Okay. Now I see what you're saying. So, so the price basically is just going to keep bidding up, bidding right. up until. It doesn't matter what the cost of fuel is. Right. Fuel could be a dollar right. a gallon. Got you. But if there's only a hundred trucks and a thousand loads, I got to pay mega money because I got to make you pick my load over the the other guy's load. But yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. But the other way around, if there is a hundred loads and a thousand trucks, they need to keep moving because they don't make money sitting. Right. So now right. it's against them to try to bid low to at least move their truck right. rather than sit and lose money every day they sit. Right, 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 right. And then uh, the price of petrol would set a floor that they probably wouldn't, wouldn't move. They wouldn't go below a certain price because then it would actually right. cost them more to drive than to sit and wait for a better load. Right. And then but, that's but where I guess, they might be paying labor though, right? They might be paying a driver. Yeah, they might be paying a driver or they might yeah. be the driver and or and but now that that fuel is now your hopefully you're smart enough to get a more fuel efficient truck. 
So now right. you can get seven or eight miles to the gallon compared to three, right? Compared now, to the other ones. Last time you were telling me some very scary stuff, which is why, why I wanted to come on today. Yeah. If you could talk about that, because that that was you, you, you blew me yeah. away with that. So a lot so, of the stuff that I we, we talked about off off screen, and and again, this is me putting things together, right? And, and it slowly keeps coming together, and more dots seem to be coming in. But right now, if you wanted to be, let's say, China and Russia, and you wanted to take down the United States, you're going to go after our weak point. Our weak points. Even though it came out our military's weak, it's not still not as weak, let's say, as, as China. You don't want to go head to head with us in, in that type of conflict. So you're going to look at us and you're going to say, OK, how would we take that down? Well, in 2015, um, I think I sent you the report. Also, there was a report that basically said our and even today, our ports and logistics is the worst. We're like rated 350 and I can look it up um, out of like 350 where our ports are horrible. And it would only take one event of, 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 any, you know, of a larger scale to wreck us, to wreck our ports, to basically uh, logistically now, right, to logistically cause major problems at our ports that we might not would take us years to get caught up, right? So that was released in 2015. Um, in 20, let's say, 18-19, whatever we're going with the date, we had uh, the vid, the vid kick up, like the pandemic kick up. Well, China, and for nobody knew why, technically shut down. Why would you completely shut down? Then they shut down. Well, that shutdown caused all other countries to basically shut down, including us. And we are the main buyer of Chinese goods. We buy more at that time. We bought more Chinese stuff than almost anybody. Right? You could agree with that, right? Or like, yeah, yeah, the U.S. is the largest importer, largest in importer. the world. Yeah. And that yeah. now, what that does is we we don't just import for me to have this cup right here. We also import for our businesses to be able to make things. We import for our stores to be able to sell things. So our stores and our economy counts on the ability to be able to sell Chinese goods for them to make money, right? Right. Well, you shut down for three months. What what is what does the American government have to do to make sure that their people because one of the fears that the American, in my opinion, we have is the last thing you want is people on the streets chaos, you know, shooting each other and and panic and things like that because they can't afford to eat and they can't afford to live and stuff like that. In the 2008 crisis, what did America do? They, use, they bail them out. We throw money at any time we have a financial problem, right? Any crisis that the United States seems to have, we've thrown money out. 2008, we bailed out the banks. 2000, it's too big to fail. We have phrases that are too big to fail. So if I'm China, I'm thinking that if we shut down, America itself is too big to fail. They're going to throw money that they don't have at this situation, which is going to cause inflation. One of our worst problems we ever had, technically, was the 1970s inflation, right? That uh, it, that was one of the worst issues besides war and stuff like that. Just a, a an, was that inflation? Yeah, the stagflation in the 70s. Yeah, it's one right. of the worst things. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's, it's up there with the the 2008. Correct. It, it, yeah. And so it now it was reeled in by in high interest rates, but mm -hmm. it, it it was for you ten know, years. Right for ten years. So it was a horrible. Um, thing that people don't really take into account how d damaging that that was. 
So if I'm China, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at what they're probably going to do. And I'm going to say they're going to throw money at the situation, which mm -hmm. is going to cause inflation, which is eventually going to cause um, problems. Now, what's that going to do? Well, it shuts their ports down. But then once they throw money at it, American people, because this is the mindset. I'm trying to use the mindset of somebody that's from China. The mindset of that is Americans like to buy things. They want to own everything. They spend money. They're going to spend this money. They're not going to save this money. They're going to, if you give them out of control money, they will spend out of control, right? Because they know us. So they, in my opinion, all I'd have to do is shut down for three or four months, cause them to shut down, which they're going to start throwing money, which is going to cause Americans to, you know, once they're given this free money, because Bush gave us bailouts, everybody sent stimulus checks. There's always stimulus checks when things slow down here in America. That's normal. And Americans spend with it. Well, if, next thing you know, if I shut down for three months, they're going to have to give enormous amounts of money for businesses to stay open, for people to be able to eat. And next thing you know, people are going to spend that money like there's no tomorrow. Because let's just say, I don't think Americans are very good at controlling their debt. And, 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 yeah, we have a relatively you know, low uh, savings ratio compared right, to the rest of the world. Right. And they know this. They know that we like to spend rather than save. People would rather spend money than put money away you know, for that rainy day. So here comes the rain and they go out and they spend, which drives inflation, enormously drives financial inflation, right? Dollar bill inflation, because we're printing money like there's no tomorrow. I mean, you can't print monopoly money this quickly, right? I mean, it's literally pumping out. Well, once they start buying this stuff, China opens back up and starts to send this stuff. So now China's making killer money. So much that container prices to ship from China to the United States for one container rocketed up to like $20,000, $28,000. At one point, I think somebody was asking $32,000 when it normally costs about $3,000. Okay, wow. So you go from $3,000 to $20,000 for one container. Well, that causes a massive amounts of everybody wanting to come back. So now you also have... Um, the the vid and the spending, and you have massive amounts. China's making a killing because they, they are the largest. Uh, um, you're the largest or the second largest container. Uh, they own the container ships, the most container right, ships. Right, right, right. Their container ships are making money. They're mass producing all this stuff and sending it over here to because people are wanting all this stuff and buying all this stuff. Now our ports are. I mean. Everybody's saying, nope, I'm not going to ship to Europe. I'm going to America. So now you're driving all these ships to jump on the, the, the high demand to ship to America because it's paying mega bucks. Our ports can't handle it. And especially mm -hmm. when everything is normally coming through one port, Long Beach and Los Angeles from China, right? That's the focal point for Chinese freight. Cannot handle it. We cannot handle it. Now, this stuff's got to come off the port. Now, here's the other problem. Trump's trade policy made it where um he didn't take into account the logistics of it like the 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 economics and the business but the logistics of it was we still bought stuff from china but they weren't buying from us so what yes. ships were doing is they were coming here and dropping off but they weren't waiting for reloads to go back they were going back empty they were going back just give me an empty can i'm going right back so it was almost like a truck that rather than live load and have to wait three hours to live load, it was a drop and hook. He comes in, drops, and goes back. We couldn't keep up with that speed because we're normally used to them not coming back so fast. 
to, so you know what I mean? So normally they'd pick up a container here and they might go to Nimbong. I'm pronouncing it wrong. And then they might go to Shanghai and then they might go someplace else because we're sending stuff back, but they weren't. They were just going right back with an empty, dropping the empty off, reloading and coming right back because that's how much money was there. So if somebody's like, hey, will you come to my port? No, no, we're going to this port because they're paying us mega bucks. So it just became mm. a race to come here, which overloaded our ports. Wow. Now that we now have to get these containers off the ports. We now have shortages in the stores. We have demands. We have so we have shortage of toilet paper here, but we have a high demand for TV sets and computer parts and cameras and laptops here. So stores are like, give me the laptops. They're buying them like they're, they're hot, you know, hotcakes, right? Demand. So we have a massive amount of trucks that have to also deliver bottled water, toilet paper, stuff like that. But we have a, then we have a massive amount of trucks that are driving, that are trying to deliver um, consumable goods, like, you know, electronics. That shot the price of trucking up from like approximately $2 a mile. Now trucks were getting 4 and 5 and $6 a mile. Now that I can't afford that. If I, I got to pass that cost on to you, the, the consumer, the person buying the computer part that raises the price of goods. So now we've got inflation financially. We've got inflation logistically. Um, and then we've got labor because you're paying people to stay home. So the ones that should be working, you have labor inflation because to try to get somebody to actually leave unemployment to come to work, you have to pay 20 bucks an hour for something you used to pay 12. I, right. I don't know. I'm just making up numbers. Yeah. But you know, you know, just, just real quick to that. Cause that's one of the things that really annoys me. You had minimum wage workers earning $7 and 50 cents an hour. Mm -hmm. So that means for a week, it's about $300 for a full-time job, right? Mm -hmm. They were paid $600 to stay home. Yes. What do you have to do to get them to go back to work? You have to offer them 601 or more. Correct to do the same job that they were doing for $300. Correct. And so now if I'm China, I, I mean, I literally could plan this out before because I literally can say, what has the United States done before? They bailed people, the mail Americans out, Americans are gonna spend because they're already spending now, they give them free money and that's what they do. If I'm China, I am literally, I, I would have done this on purpose to, to hammer you financially and send you into a bullwhip effect. So your bullwhip was up, well, eventually what's going to happen is that money's got to stop, right? And pro I mean, you're going to have, I'm throwing off your algorithms. I'm throwing off your computers. I'm forcing you to, you cannot have just-in-time freight anymore because I can't get it to you just in time. You know and what I mean? And the reason we had just-in-time freight was because it saved a lot of money. It saved a lot of money with warehouses and, you know, paying taxes and electricity and labor and, you know, on warehouses. And tying up your capital, you know, right. because, yeah, you have to capital. buy this stuff and then have it sitting there and you're paying interest on your loans and whatever. So just-in-time, the reason we did it because it saved money, but now we can't do just-in-time. So that, just that one fact is going to increase the cost. Right. Now, if I'm... Why would they do this? Because if we're the main buyer of stuff, well, they made out. They mm -hmm. made out, right? At some point, they made out. Now, China, one of the things also China's going to want is they're going to like, look, on the downturn of, of, of recession and stuff like that, they're hoping to have trade uh, bans lifted because, hey, you guys aren't making that much money. Why don't we lift some of these trade bans? Why don't we lift some of these trade things that, that Trump put in place? That'll help you guys out. So that's a benefit for them in, in regards to trade. 
because and then a benefit to them is they can literally if you want to take down the United States, you have to take down our money and our food first. Right. Like, they're not at war with the United States. <clears throat> they're at war with the people of the United States. That's the problem, right? So they're basically, they're working against me and you. Well, not, you're not in here, but you're still a U.S. citizen. But they're working against me and you. They're not. Oh, they're working fighting. against me. Right. They're not fighting against soldiers. They're fighting against me yeah. and you, civilians. So at that point, our, they, they knew our, because even when things would start to, like when we should start to be ordering Christmas stuff, they closed the town, or the, the, what's the Providence, the cities? The, they would close the cities in China that has the most manufacturing for Christmas goods. Yeah. So, so just, just real quick, the state media in China, cause I have to read all the state media. So state media, every time the U S was having any kind of an, uh, an economic problem during the past two years, anything, people complaining inflation or shortages, whatever China would say, Oh, you know, it's because of these terrible policies Trump put in with the tariffs. And then if they would just, you know, re remove the tariffs, it would, it would, you know, fix everything. I mean, thank God we didn't do that. But a right. lot of liberals and a lot of people that are sort of China apologists or people who hate America, they're like, oh, you see these stupid policies the Americans have. But thank God we didn't fall for it. But and then to your other point, we just said about the Christmas thing, it's really interesting. But there are areas that produce certain products, like certain provinces or cities or whatever, and they produce mm -hmm. certain products. And right. And you as a logistics guy, and this is why I now have this huge respect for you because we, because of the conversation we had last time, I'm like, oh, this guy knows stuff, man. Nobody else knows. So I got to tell all my economist friends to talk to you. But um, yeah, you know where stuff is being shipped from and where it's being manufactured from, right? And I violated right. my own law, my own rule of knowing human action, human action. Where are Christmas things being manufactured, right? right? And then find out where that is. Oh, look at that. They suddenly had a lockdown in that city, whatever, at three months before Christmas. Be ordering. Yeah, which would be our time window to get it here about anywhere from like three months now it's three I know, months right yeah right, yeah actually three months so i know the port yeah. i might not know the cities but i'm like hey i'll come yeah. to this port so now i gotta go track from this port what cities are this and then that's when i'm like oh okay now i get it <laughs> right 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 so like it means because it's like why is nothing going to this port why is it you know because i have friends that dead that do i do a lot of oversized but i have a lot of the other ones that do this and they're like can't get anything out of the port i'm like why nothing's coming to the port i'm like all right hang on let me look at this Oh, that's why, you know what I mean? These are the cities and this is the port that they would use to get their goods out. So this is where now China can come in and one, I think it was for, it, 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 it's, it's their version of, of hybrid warfare. So one, they want those tariffs lifted. This is a way to lift those tariffs. Okay, we'll show you guys, watch this. But it also hammered us and put us into uh, a bullwhip effect. So every time that we, they, we would need something, they'd close it down, which would cause a demand for it, and then they'd open it up, and then they'd close it down, and then they'd open it up. But they can't just say we're doing it on purpose because we, would, we could consider act of war, right? And now, and now what you were telling me last time about this bullwhip effect, as mm -hmm. I understand it, when they shut down, we're still placing orders. Orders are building up. Correct. So when they open, there's like a floodgate Correct. of stuff coming out. Right? And then you immediately ha have a logjam. Correct. And now we're right. at a point right now where we're like, stop sending us, stop sending us, stop right. it. Right. Don't send us right now because we, we, we are, we're overflowing because now people are up there and they're not buying because we're now saying that there's inflation. The price of food is going up 20% and, and this is costing more and this is costing more. And it, inflation, I think my last thing is, is costing American people like 12 or $14,000 more a year or something. Um, because of inflation, I don't hold me to those numbers. They'll probably call me a, an idiot too. It's okay though. It's my show. Um, either way it's, 
so now China has basically hammered. They're they're literally destroying our economy, right? I mean, right, it, right. they are they were benefiting from it. So one of the only things we could do was not open up, because right. if we were to open up more China would make out even more because we'd be buying more from China again because we'd be out there buying, you know, right now you're you're stuck in your home and I hope you've bought everything to keep you safe at home. But if I open the doors and let you outside, well, now you might be spending money on different you'll China. buy other stuff. You'll buy other stuff, right? Yeah. So like basically like suits, like suit places, mm-hmm. like they all kind of business, you know, business right. suits and, and things like that, right? So like even in my county in New York, I think we've got like two or three you know, men's shops left, like basically, you know, right. dry cleaners went out of, you know, the, you know, because people weren't going to the office. So you're right. Had they, had people gone back to work, we would have had all that to me. You would have bought all those Pelotons and all those things for your home. And now you're going out back to work. You got to buy all that stuff again. Right. And now, so China would have made out, they would have made out and that would have caused more demand. <laughs> you see what I mean? Cause there would have been a demand for, cause you got a whole bunch of extra money. I mean, there are, companies that got 200 300 400,000. There are people that got 10,000 of PPP money that's been just waived, you know, just poof gone. I mean, $10,000 of free money. I mean, this is stuff that, you know, China basically used in, in, against us by this shutdown. Now, we didn't open up and we tried to hold it off as long as possible. And there was some other stuff there. There's obviously pharmaceutical dominance. We wanted to, you know, go into countries and say, "Hey, trust our medicine, don't trust their medicine." Stuff like that. Well, just as this was ending, you now have Russia hammer go after Ukraine and they do a buildup of Ukraine. There's a slow buildup of Ukraine. And it's basically like, whoa, what what is Ukraine? Why now? Why? What? What? For what reason now? What's changed? Well, one of the things that changed, obviously, was the administration. But the other thing that's changed is as COVID affected our money, we are also the main exporter of food. We export uh, corn and food is our main export. Humanitarian, other countries, we sell. So second, the breadbasket of the world is Ukraine. Ukraine. So if if right now you've got our money hurting, which co- which is going to cause people, try, you know, um, the price of our food that we sell is going to be more expensive and stuff like that. And now you have Ukraine who's at war, so they're – Grain coming out is next to nil. One, so you got supplies dropping. Yeah. Supplies dropping. So now we are going to have to export more of our uh, grain and stuff like that out of the country. But can we? How long can we support everybody if Ukraine's not supporting anybody? Right, and also, right. and then again, that's going to raise the price of food even domestically. It's one of the things people don't know about exports is that it's good to export because you you make money. But the reason you're exporting is because you're getting more, more abroad money. than you would at home, right. which ultimately raises the price at home too. Because if you're a producer, well, if I could get more by exporting it, I would do that. So the only way it's going to stay in the country is if the price goes up to the world price. Right, and then so there's that, and then getting back to sage logistics. Mm-hmm. Can we can, right, dramatically can we increase our so, our exports? Then, right. So now you're Egypt, and you're like, okay, I can't. One, I can't. We, you can't get us enough fast enough for food compared to Ukraine, who's over. You know, over here, you're way over there. You know oh, what and, I mean? and what's the call? Yeah, that's the first thing I thought about. It. I actually thought about you. I was like, you're going from Ukraine. You're going through what is that? The the Black Sea, right? That, right. Yep. The Black Sea. Yep. Moria. So they're going through the Black Sea going across the Mediterranean and then they're going to North Africa. Right. Right. Yeah. 
yeah. compared and to look at that distance <laughs> oh, compared oh. to <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying or yeah. that type of thing. So now you have that price, but you also have the fact that it's like okay, well, the geopolitical of it. And, and and Russia even did this. Russia basically came in and said, well, we'll give you grain because they were stealing Ukraine's grain. Right. Right. So now geopolitically, you lose. We lose leverage giving people because now Russia can come in and say, well, they can't do it, but we can. Here you go. Or or we lose geopolitically because we step in and go, you're not allowed to accept grain from Russia because Russia's bad. Right. So so exactly. So here you are now. So you want us to starve. Is that what you're telling us? Right. You want us to right. pay your high dollar price or you want us to starve? Oh, you and, want us to buy it from you. Right. For, for you know, instead of $5, $50. Or, and, of you, course, the numbers. I've already heard that. I haven't heard that argument on the grain. I've heard that argument on the LNG, though. I've already heard that on the LNG. That right. uh, the U.S. somehow or other orchestrated this whole thing because we want to export more LNG to Europe for more money. Right. So now – so now what you're doing is you're now basically punishing food, which is one of the other thing we give on. What's the third largest thing we export? Natural gas. LG, we are the first, we are the largest producer of natural gas, right? So that's not, not nor that we are the third. I mean, the third thing that we have that everybody wants is natural gas. Mm -hmm. All right. So by Russia going into Ukraine and slow rolling them, you can't do a big, large, like, because it's like, why didn't you just go in there and hammer them? It's not a war. It's a special military operation, right? The slower this takes uh, and the longer this takes, the more drawn out basically causes an energy crisis in Europe. Right. That right. energy crisis in Europe. So now you've got places like Egypt who we normally give food to and sell food to and, and export. I'm just using Egypt as an example. Well, you now have Europe, which is a part of NATO, which can either – basically say look um you guys are gonna how much you know how much it's gonna cost us to to to, to get this across the ocean it used to be one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day for a ship they're projecting it to be a million dollars a day a ship and at this point where energy is now going to be a major factor for europe so what russia and china basically did with these two small events put ripples in the water that are covering monstrous waves is the fact that you hurt our money which caused right. the, basically the, the price of goods to go up, inflation to go up, which is hurting every other country that deals with us, right? In, in an yes. Yeah, because the U.S. currency has gone up, so it's made everything more expensive for everybody else. Yeah, Perfect. And then you hurt uh, the, the food going to Ukraine, so now more people have to order from the United States, which has a monstrous – which the price has gone up, right? right? And then now you're dealing with energy. And this is why, like I explained to people, they're like, oh, we blew up the pipeline. I said, in regards to Nord Stream, I said, that would be the dumbest thing we ever did. I mean, right, I'm talking right, right. the dumbest thing. We would alienate our allies. You don't want to do that. Uh, we would literally um, give Putin, we would hand him guilt in his hands, which he, he would use against us. So it's more logical for him to hit that pipeline because it was not pumping any gas. It was that one was right. never pumping any gas. It was just going to sit there and, and waste away. But it would give him the leverage to for now everybody else is afraid of what he's going to do in retaliation. So the price of shipping natural grass from the United States is skyrocketing and putting added pressure on Europe and Germany who guess what they do? They need it to manufacture. They Most of their steel and manufacturing and stuff runs off of natural gas, electricity. 
So they will crumble as a country because they won't be able to run their their manufacturing facilities, which that let's face it, if it's if it's something large, big and bulky, Germany probably made it. <laughs> right? Because that's kind of what if it lasts forever, yeah. <laughs> if it lasts forever and it's large, big and bulky and heavy, somewhere Germany's yeah. involved. The EU is already having discussions about putting a moratorium on manufacturing. Right. In other words, that they, or let's say restrictions, not a moratorium, but, you know, restrictions like factories would only be allowed to work eight, eight hours a day or whatever it is, right, to, to reduce mm-hmm. the energy usage. Well, that's going to affect everything, right? It makes every product more expensive and it's going to create unemployment. Right. And this is where, so if I wanted to take down the United States or, and what I mean by take down is not, you know, turn us into, into rubble. Mad Max. Mad yeah. Max, it's take down the political leverage and the sway that we have on UN votes and in and, 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 and a global theater. This is how I do it, because at some now you're at a point where we can't afford your your food. We, we're going to have to get it from these people. We can't afford right, 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 right. that geopolitical power, which people don't understand. It's like one of the most powerful things in the world is, in this country is called legal precedence, because once you start mm-hmm. setting legal precedence, it, it becomes a very powerful tool to do other things, right? Geopolitical leverage is even more powerful than legal precedence. I mean, you go right, to a right, UN right. meeting, you can sway things and you can sway trade and you can sway so much stuff with, with you know, the way the world works with that leverage. Well, you're now, in my opinion, it's it was about taking the first shift you have to do to be world dominant is sway leverage. It's not blow a country up. It's to sway UN political leverage. So that's the first thing that you have to do to, to become a superpower, right? A yeah. superpower isn't just about its military. It's about its its political leverage. Now, well, that's why China's, China's policy or China's strategy over the years has been to buy up these tiny little countries like in the, in the, in the Pacific, like Solomon Islands, these little countries, to buy them up because they all get the same number of votes at the uh, UN – as Germany, you know, Germany right. gets one vote, Solomon Islands gets one vote, but I can buy the Solomon Islands with, you know, $10 million or $10 billion, whatever the right. number is, right? You can't buy Germany, you know? So now you have this, you basically have this, this layout that, okay, what's Europe going to do? Are they going to let their people pay enormous amounts? Are they going to start to and freeze or freeze to death? Are they going to start printing money like the United States, burying their dollar and causing inflation? Uh, you know, or they're definitely going to do that. I mean, that's right. a given. That, well, they yeah. have no choice at this point. That's their only option because that's yep. unfortunately, and a big picture. That's all we politicians seem to know how to do. At, at this well, and, and and the other issue, and 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 this is why I believe that the euro is actually a myth. I think it's something we've all bought into it, but it doesn't really exist. But uh, but you know, it's one of the issues. I mean, like like I. If I had to pick a country in, in Europe that I was going to let them make a lot of decisions, it would be Germany because it's, you know, so very, I, I have a lot so of faith in Germany. Euro, in terms you, can, of, you can actually scratch it off like a scratch off ticket and there's actually another <laughs> currency under exactly. there. You know, it's 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 I, I don't want Italy making decisions about currency and banking and, and you know, finance. Right. You know, so so anyway, so like let's say that, that the EU has a meeting and Germany has a very logical and good idea of what to do or, or France has a good idea. Well, unfortunately, you got all these other countries that are, they, they get equal votes on this. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're going to vote to print money. They're going to vote to just do ridiculous things with the money. And uh, they're going to have incredible inflation and they're going to have incredible uh, currency depreciation in Europe. 
Right. And this is so now you've got and this is where, like I said, so it starts with China and it starts with 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 what they did, in my opinion. I think I again, can I prove 100 percent? No, but I can get I can show a lot of receipts and probably do a three hour show connecting all these dots. I'm kind of giving a, a rundown now. And now you're seeing now you're seeing Russia come in and step. So what does this kind of do for Europe? And what does this do for Germany? And what does this do for other for, for countries? It basically breaks NATO without breaking NATO. Right. Because right. At right. Some right. Point, because at some point, European allies might say, listen, you know, U.S., you're doing this hard line on Russia and it's making our people freeze to death or starve to death. Correct. Yep. And then so now you have European people that basically say, look, Ukraine, what do you need from us? I understand you're taking this money. So the, and then it causes that the only way for the United States to keep Ukraine doing it is to keep giving them money. Right. They're right. just giving them right. money. That's so now right. we're That's throwing right. printing and more money and stuff. So you've got them there. So at some point. What does that look like? So if I'm Europe, I'm like, would you please stop buying off Ukraine? Because if you stop buying them off, they'll come to the table and we can have a peace treaty here. But you keep giving them money. So right, at, right, right. Is, is there no answer to peace here? Because at some point, shouldn't you be saying, you know, look, we're going to give you this much money this month, but we're only going to give you more if you set up peace treaties or if you set up right, some right, right. Talks, so you set up some type of negotiations or you set up some type of ceasefires. I can't just keep – and so now if I'm Europe, I'm like, stop it, United States. Would you please stop right, it? Right. We, this isn't working. We've got to have them sit down at the table. Now right. you have pressure from our allies to push us to stop doing what we normally do, and Russia's, in, and Russia's like, uh-huh, bring it, bring it. Well, during, during the Cold War, you know, I went, to, um, I went to school in Germany in 92 – so I get to, to Germany in 90s. Yeah, I just come out of the military. I came out, I think, the same year or, or yeah, I was only out of the military maybe nine months. I think I was in Germany in 94. What's that? I think I was in Germany in 94 because I, uh, I we had it. Is that, what you, is that what you? I knew it. I knew it. No, go ahead. Wait, no hair, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I was over there in like 92 and I really thought they were going to be like so grateful, like – they oh, America protected us all during the cold, you know, and of course they were angry. They're like, you know, you know, your president, and at that time it was Reagan, you know, they're like, oh, Reagan goes on TV, he's talking really tough to the Russians, and we will not back down. He's like, Germany is where the battle is going to be. It's not going to be in Washington or New York or, you know, and, 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 you know, it's easy for you to be tough and poke, you know, Russia with right. a stick, you know. So they were really upset about it. And then when this Ukraine invasion happened, Almost the opposite happened that they were like, oh, this really is a threat to Europe. Um, you know, we need to get closer with the U.S. and NATO stand up to Russia. But you're right. As it moves on, then it's, it's very likely they're going to say, well, we're not really in danger of Russia invading France. Right. But we are in danger of freezing to death. Correct. Or starving to death. Mm -hmm. And now we need the U.S. to stop, you know, sending weapons to uh to ukraine or sending you know uh, money to ukraine or to stop antagonizing russia it's very possible that that could happen so right. what you know it's interesting some people think that china planned this some people think russia planned it what i you know i try and deal with data mm -hmm. i try and stay in the world of data and facts and, and i even try not to draw conclusions right. what i will say is this the pandemic happened china capitalized on it 
whether China planned it, whether China did it, whether China is, I, I just find it so unlikely that two and a half years ago, anybody had the brains to sit down and go, okay, we'll cause a pandemic. It'll start in Italy. And two and a half years later, people will freeze to death in France. Like, I just, but I do believe that that people are capitalizing. It's called oh, convergent I'm, opportunism. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, and the same thing with the war in Russia, yeah, you know, in Ukraine and all that. So, like convergent opportunism, we see they see all these opportunities to to make things worse, to 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 leverage their position mm-hmm. and hurt us. And that I, I don't know that it's planned. It doesn't matter. This is what's happening, right? And and this is so. This is a lot of the stuff that I look at because logistically. They knew our weak points, which was our, our ports and our and our infrastructure in regards to logistics. Um, and they knew how we would handle a problem like this. We threw money at it, which we did. Right. And they knew because so they knew that that would cause this chain events of, of things that happen. And just as this is people are getting tired of COVID and people are like, I'm done with this. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not staying home. I'm going out. I'm right, spending right, right, right. They're like, oh, we're with Ukraine. Wait, what? 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 Yep. What? Why? What's going on here? What? What was this? Well, they're, they're you know they're stockpiling the you know uh, they're putting up armor and stuff. They're going to go in with a hundred thousand troops, and we're like, what? What? Where did this come from? I mean, we knew it was a possibility, but what? What happened here? And I right, think right, right, right. One of those events that one you have an administration change. You already have a problem in this country. You have a lot of hate, and because this is the other war that they do is disinformation, which I'm constantly right, fighting. right. So you you say that there's you know uh, election fraud everyone's corrupt it's the same thing that Mao did everybody's corrupt everybody's bad nothing stands and they sent out the red guard right and that's what the red guard took down well the same thing happens now it's you know and I'm still dealing we're still dealing with you know a ba- Trump's out this guy this is in and situation and, and all this other stuff so there's already chaos going here uh, after the election and I think it was it was a perfect timing to start this slow roll. And this is what people right, are right. Well, you know, you, you know what else? We started this conversation with you saying that people are unaware of supply and demand. Correct. So one of the points that I do want to make is that while the price mechanism is supply and demand, at the end of the day, human action. Correct. So prices change all the time because of sentiment. So just like you said, 100,000 troops went on the Ukraine border. Now, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's no reason why that has to affect New York. Right. It didn't affect Correct. New York, right. but it did. It caused stock prices to change, Correct. caused the value of the dollar to change. You know, every one of these things you're talking about, every threat, every every story they release in the media, it, it, it causes stock prices to change, currency values to change, the cost of fuel. Went up. For, for example, when OPEC, uh, let's see, when the uh, when the. Uh, cost of gasoline in the United States was like double what it was the previous year. Well, the, the price of oil had gone up, but the supply hadn't dropped by that much. It was more just because of the existence of the war in Ukraine being in the news. It caused prices to go up. Right. You know, and this is going on with inflation with everything. So what they may have figured out, because they're pretty smart, and you're even talking about using AI, they yeah. may even have AI that is helping them figure out, well, if we say or do this or that, that would be the impact on prices or that would be the impact on the price of oil or that would be the impact on the stock market. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's and and this is some of the stuff. So for me, and this is where I, World War II started like around what, 1937? 39. 
39. Well, 39 is when Germany invades Poland, but there was actions that were happening in 37 yes. with 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 uh, Japan and stuff like that, right? And, yeah. And, our, yeah. and we didn't enter until 1942, right? 41. 41. 77, so 19, 1941. 41. That's right. Yeah, Pearl Harbor, December 7th. We declare war on Germany. Uh, I'm sorry, Japan, December 8th, and then Germany, I think, December 9th. December 9th. So you're, we're so. From let's say 1937 to 1941, that's it took years, yes, years for it to turn into a 1942 till 45, basically for you know, for end of 41, but 42 till 45 war for us, yes, yes. I, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on, and we, we, we were embargoing Japan and we were, you know, doing a bunch of stuff that we're doing now, sanctioning and right. stuff, right. But it took, I mean, I consider like 1937 area is probably kind of when Japan and stuff started to, to creep into time and, and overextend. And then 39, um, you, you kind of had that kickoff of invasions, true invasions. Yeah, because right? Italy, Italy invaded Africa, you know, before, way before Japan and Japan and China, uh, you know, different different things going on in the Pacific. I mean, the fighting, you could go all the way back to like 1928 even. You know, right. But, uh, so, it, it depends where you want to count the beginning. Right. Of the war, so yeah. that's where. So we're at where we're at. Like, if I see this, I kind of see this as the nineteen thirty-seven ish, maybe of the, of the. You know what Oil I mean? Oil embargo on Japan. Yeah, where you're starting to kind of see. All right, look, we have you know the Russia's China's done this, which has caused to put us in a financially bad situation. Which that's our main. That's our strong point, right? We're weak port was the ports, but our money. You know, having high inflation affects everybody, right? It affects. So now, as we were just talked about in regards to allies, you have less allies if they can't afford your goods. That's right. <laughs> right. So now you've you've hammered our money where even trying to and supply and demand, um, we're we're now dumping a bunch of military assets and, and, and not, not assets, but rockets and equipment and, and things like that. Who's replenishing them? Do we have the people to replenish them fast enough at this point with people wanting to stay home? And, and you know what I mean? So it's even that causes a situation where if we were to kick off, you're going to be interested in the Defense Production Act. And hey, you, 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 you're going to work. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I can't and I can't believe for a minute yeah, as much as I, you know, I hate China and, <laughs> and, right. and they're a huge threat to our country. But I don't believe for a minute that they two and a half years ago, they were sitting in a room and go, you know what we'll do? We'll make this pandemic and no one's going to want to go back to work. Right. Like, like I don't right. believe that they plan that, but definitely they're capitalizing on it. Oh, and they, you're they, pointing out, yes, this is a problem. Right. How are you going to build? You're right. We're giving away weapons, right? Mm-hmm. How are we going to replenish our weapons? Why we need people to go to work in the factory. Well, nobody wants to go to work right now. Oh, you're going to do defense uh, uh, production act. As soon as the government mm-hmm. begins producing anything, then the laws of supply and demand no longer exist. The price goes up. And at the end of the day, who's paying for that? Right. And so That's now do I believe China did it? I, again, I cannot confirm nor deny either way because I don't I have I don't know. But I do know that people are like, there's no way that people aren't sitting there saying, All right, this is getting out. This is getting out. And it, this is what's what, what can we use this to our advantage? What do we do? Because we don't we don't want to look like it's our fault. We don't want to look bad in, in front of the, the world. Um, so what do we, and I do believe that it was used because I don't, as many pandemics and flus and masks that are worn in China, for them to shut down manufacturing and stop making things for the world is a big deal. 
That's a really good point, actually. That's a very good point. I mean, effectively, all the pandemics of the last hundred years started in China, or a lot of them did anyway, you know, in SARS. They would let a hundred thousand people die. They got billions. You know what I'm saying? Let the hundred thousand people out there die that can't afford the masks. That's just going to make our, our numbers look better. You know, I mean, in regard, we won't tell everybody they died, but right, right, right. it'll make our, you know, so I just, I am shocked. They just didn't, they don't seem the type that would have shut down rather than work through it and let their, these are the same companies that if you're overworked, they let you, they have suicide nets. So you don't kill yourself jumping off of buildings, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and you're going to stop working because of the, I mean, Man, that's funny that you just said I haven't heard about that in years. I remember that though. I remember like in 2012 or something. I remember that was still like a thing that you would read about. I don't know. Yeah. The suicide the suicide yep. basically the, the, yeah. from jumping off buildings. These are the people. Yeah. That, that. So you're telling me that a country like this shuts yeah. down to protect all of their people on something that is not as. Is it bad? Sure. Is it bad for, for weaker, you know, I, I, it does exist. And I think it's bad for like the older people or the people that are already have problems and things like that. Just like any new strain of a flu is, is technically bad for people. Right. And it's more extreme, but even if it killed a hundred thousand or 200,000 people there, let's just say, and that's a high, and I'm just saying, or, or whatever, yeah, yeah. or even a million people. Yeah. The fact that their only answer was to completely shut down and lock everybody in yeah i'm convinced they did that to set a precedent to make a model for the rest of the world and i'm convinced that they paid the who to uh to propagate that and, idea. Because, because the whole model of how to deal with the pandemic came from china right. the whole thing the masks the lockdown school shutdown it all came from china the who picked it up i remember all the liberal media liberal pressing we have to follow china's example we have to do with china they sent advisors to italy to different countries huh? Like I, I was like, when have we ever followed China on anything? This makes no sense. And to me, I, th- I think a big factor at this point was once China shut down and stopped shipping goods to everybody, almost everybody had to shut down because right, I see what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? So, and then of course you can overdramatic the sale of uh, pharmaceutical dominance, right? Because right. now we have the best medicine. We did the best thing. But to me, the shutdown on stuff that, you know, there's lots of, of, of oh, things. And, and, China. and that pharmaceutical argument, that gets back to what we started with tonight about the, uh, the British East India Company. When Britain was leading the world, Britain led the world. They had the best country. They had the best currency. Mm-hmm. They did everything better. China wants to be the leader in pharmaceuticals, but then their, 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 their vaccine doesn't work at all. It does nothing. <laughs> Right. right. Like, you know, and, and, and then they're angry. They're like, oh, why do people take the American? Well, well, the American one does stuff. I'm not endorsing it. I'm not. Right. Saying but, it, right. It, I mean, does, it, it certainly does something. Right. <laughs> Our medicines do something. Uh, you yeah. know, penicillin, the stuff, stuff, amoxicillin, the things do something here. And this came up here. You know, what have they created that does something? I don't know. Oh, it kills me. The, you know the, what I'm saying? The, like, the, what the, medicine that does something has been created there? The people who support China issue papers on how China invented all these medicines that cure everything, and because of racism or whatever the the West won't adopt. For example, the, uh, the, the 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 during the Long March, they invented this. Um, uh, what do you call it for? Uh, what's the one you get for mosquitoes in the tropics? Malaria. Uh, malaria. A malaria drug. And I'm like, yeah, but the West already had a malaria drug that worked. <laughs> yeah, they didn't we- need to invent a malaria drug. 
That's great. They invented something that's already been invented. I can do that. And, I can And do also, that. I'd like to point out that the American, like, there's almost no malaria in America, and yet we invent drugs for diseases we don't even have. There's always been malaria in China, and they didn't right. have a drug for it. Like, 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 why are you taking any advice from these people how to deal with the pandemic? Right. And so that, that's this. So for me, it was there's no I could I, I I could not figure out. And for me, it's like, what? Why does I like the chain react? Like for me, I, everything I, I do because of logistics, I look down and then I got to see how everything affects everything. And the only thing I could see is that how did this affect us specifically by shutting down and handling it this way? And all I could see is it's, it put us in the situation we're in right now. And we now Why have- do you have a China economist as a guest on your show? I mean, like, like what an insane, this is where we are in the world. Yes. Five years ago, you probably would not have had a China economist on your show. And yeah. now, you know, because you're looking like, you, you know, I, I love that expression that you have. I told my students about that, too. You said the truck driver's looking out the window. You're looking mm-hmm. down from above. And because of that, you're seeing China and, and, and the economy and all these things and how they're inter, in, 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 interrelated and so forth. But, I mean, that's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, it's but this is this, this. And so this is for me, it's like cause and effect and what's going to happen. And, and, yeah. and it, it's easy to do because it's like and it's like, well, because I had somebody else ask me this. I'm like, look, here's how this works for me. This person needs this to keep moving. So if this right. person 10 minutes, this truck's 10 minutes behind, it co- eventually causes this to be an hour behind. Because by the time. Right, 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 right. And then this one's 10 minutes. And then this one's 20 minutes. And we're doubling. It's comp. It's my version of compounding interest. And it's yeah, sure. compounding problems. And, sure. and, you know, that's kind of what, you know, how I, I see. So I need to be ahead of everything. To make, Sage, to make if, I could, if we get away from China for just a second, I got to want, I got to ask you this because you told me last time off camera. Can you tell me again, why are you're expecting bankruptcies? In, yeah. 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 So here's what's going on. And I, and I sent you a bunch of articles is, okay. So as when it, trucking is an industry that is kind of, it can be good or bad, right? It, it's dangerous or both of both evils. So as truck drivers, um, as trucking shot up to like five, six, $7 a mile, everybody wanted in. Okay. Now, your CDL is something that you can go and you can get, and the government can give you grants and stuff like that. Um, or you can have a, a 350 pickup truck and buy a 40-foot trailer, and you can start hauling freight just by in 20, you know, a 21-day waiting period. Well, we had the largest, I, and I'll pull the numbers and send them to you, the largest amount of new trucking authorities started when after we started to... Um, need all this stuff right after the and that was during the lockdowns yeah yeah so once we had a lockdown everything stopped right and then you had about a month where now every thing just started creeping up creeping up creeping up creeping up because people needed toilet paper people needed this people needed that and it became a demand industry logistics became a demand industry because when you go from all stop well, people don't plan like most people only have goods in your house for three days worth of food. Right. That's the average thing. Right. Well, now you go from an all stop and we're closed for three months. People are like, oh, my God, they panic by people panic by you see something that says there's no toilet paper. You rush to the store and buy toilet paper. You see something. Right. Like- and, and actually, yeah. And that's a really good that dovetails with what I said a minute ago, though, that the prices are not just on supply and demand, but on human action. Right. People. There was no reason for people to buy all that stuff. Correct. But they did because they got freaked out by what was. Because they got freaked out, yeah. and it started yeah. with something that was in Japan that basically said gangs were were stocking up on toilet paper and making the people basically. Uh, they were they were th- that's how they were kind of doing it, and so next thing you know, there's a shortage of toilet paper. So a 
enormous amount of new authorities, meaning new trucking companies that were not in there, jumped into the industry and just flooded the industry. I mean, people went from having a CDL today to having their trucking up and running authority tomorrow. I mean, it's you shouldn't go, be able to do that, right? Because it's like there's more to this than just getting behind the wheel and a steering wheel. Well, that we had a huge amount up there that we're all expecting four and five and six dollar a mile freight. Got you. So all okay. So so in business terms, right? So for my students, I would say so. These guys saw that the freight had gone up so much mm -hmm. when the price of anything goes up and the profit margin in that area goes up it attracts new entrants into in, into that industry it's right. happening in shipping these people go well, i'm going to start a shipping company because i can get this huge markup yep they go to the bank with their business plan based on oh, i'm going to do this many miles at this many dollars per mile mm -hmm. and uh, this is what my revenues are going to be and they borrow money and then well, they come in they don't have a business plan. That's how bad trucking is. They right, just got, right, right. They just got free EDL money, free PPP money, free money that they go out and they say, well, I'm going to drive a truck. I'm going to go out. I can drive. I like driving. I'm going to drive a truck. So then the price of truckings go up. The price of trailers go up. Everything's shooting up. So instead of buying a truck for $100,000, a truck now costs $200,000. So people are just like, I don't care. I got, I'll, here's my free government money. Let's go ahead and I'll do the truck payment of you know two thousand dollars a month or three thousand dollars a month. I can afford it. I've got a hundred thousand dollars of of free government money sitting here, um, and they jump into this trucking. So they've got trucks that are overpriced, trailers that are overpriced, but in an industry that should normally be about two dollars a mile on average, you know, a fluctuation with fuel and stuff like that, that is now four and five and six dollars a mile. It is gotcha. record level rates record level and everybody's talking about how good the rates are put now you know now social media everybody's like look i just made you know fifteen thousand dollars this month so now you have social media being like wow i'm gonna go do that right so that drives people into trucking they jump into trucking and then what happens is the market becomes oversaturated and tops out so now because of inflation because they're causing inflation by hauling freight for seven dollars a mile rather than three right? A, a gradual jump. They're basically, they're causing inflation. The spending of uh, the printing of money is causing inflation. Now the news puts out, look, inflation's 20%. Why did my food just go, my, you know, food bill went from $200 to $400 this month, let's just say, holy crap, I can't afford to buy, you know, we can't go to the batting cages. We can't go out to eat. We can't buy Johnny's new baseball bat. We're going to have to use the old one, duct tape it, whatever. Either way, now people are not spending. So warehouses on wants are filling up. Okay, so the warehouses, or let's say all the uh, the sellers, they order ninety days in advance. Is that about right? Anywhere from about one hundred and twenty from from okay. get it there. So about one hundred. Right. So so they're ordering in advance. So so if demand drops, and so when they order, they're basing it on the demand that they're aware of at that time. Correct. And, and so then that, if demand drops, they wind up getting all this surplus of, of stuff sitting in a warehouse it. somewhere. Right. They can't gotcha. stop it. It's because before that thing leaves China, it's paid for. It's gotcha. not even China without you being without China being paid in full. Like I don't ship when I ship to Mexico, you are paying me in full before my what thing they, crosses the border. What's the term for that? Is that called freight on board or yeah, it, it, it well, yeah, basically freight on board is basically you can do um I mean, of course it, it's almost like what your understanding would be like um 
it's not even cash. It's cash in advance is basically okay. a term that your your people, your, the the people would understand. You have to pay prepay, right? It's called right, prepay. Right, 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 right. So you're before they'll ship it. It has to be yeah, fully paid. You're not leaving. Like my freight's not leaving into Mexico because once it gets into Mexico, it's gone. You know what I mean? Right, I right. never see. Good luck trying to collect it or bring it back. Right? It's not right. coming back. So. So it's so now you've got all these goods coming. So now warehouse starts to be being built everywhere because we're we're basically like we're switching from a just in time to a warehouse business model because we've being learned forced that into we, it because we have all this stuff. We're forced into it. Right. So now you have a bunch of these warehouses that they're now places like Targets and Walmarts and, and Macy's and, and all these stores that sell wants are saying, stop it. Don't ship me anymore. I'm not ordering anymore. Cancel my orders. Don't automatically refill me. I'm done. Now what's happening is stores that once now. And so if I, if I have a large amount of goods sitting in a warehouse and I, I have no need to ship them to the retail store, I don't want to pay any money. Like I don't want to pay money to get them from the port to my warehouse. Cause I don't have room at the warehouse anyways. So if I've got to take it, I want to pay the least amount of money possible because I'm already taking a loss by it sitting in the warehouse. Like it cost me money to sit in the warehouse because I got to pay for the warehouse. So that what that basically does is now no freight is moving because freight that was, we were demanding, we don't need anymore. Half the freight of all these wants and computer parts and stuff like that, we're not ordering, right? People are now saying, oh my God, my electric bill just went up. They're expecting my electric bill to double by, by winter. Uh, my gas bill to heat my house, my wood pellets, my wood, whatever you're heating your house with. And the, a big indicator for the American people is the price of gasoline because gasoline punches everybody in the mouth. So if gasoline goes from $2 a gallon to $5 a gallon, you can't get away from it. You got to get to, you know what I mean? That once that happens, that immediately turns people into, oh my God, gas just cost me a hundred bucks. When it used to cost me, you know, 60, oh my God, this is going to happen every week now. Well, the gas prices went up. That was their first economics, uh, economical factor in, in human spending, in my opinion. It's always right, a price right. of gas. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's a really good example. Gas goes up. At the end of the day, the average person is actually not spending that many more dollars per week. It might be $20, it might be $40. It's not like they're spending a million dollars more and it's breaking them. But it scares them. It scares them. Because that's the thing that they see. Right. Fear does more to economics than facts. Right. Fear, exactly. Right. Exactly. So it scares them because they're like, whoa, why was that so expensive? What happened? Yeah. And you see that, whereas you don't right. see it with other things. You, and, know, you and immediately of, see it with petrol. Right. And most American people don't like businesses do budgets. Businesses know, uh, uh, you know, uh, profit and loss. Like American people don't do profit and loss. They don't go back and say, well, hang on. Let me go see where this puts me. Right. Exactly. They, they exactly. just know that that was I, I have less money. Yep. And well, that, and, and the other thing about gas versus any other product, if you're driving on an American road, you're driving on, on, on any main road in America, the gas stations have their prices out front. Correct. So you're bombarded with the price of gas every day. You see it all day. You're, there's like no other product where the price is sitting out front. Yeah, you know? that's actually a good yeah. point. I never thought about that. So you're punched in the face every time you drive past another one. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Yep. <laughs> Even though you, you, if you were to sit down and do your, your, you know, your budgets and exactly. know what, what it actually, how it actually much it affects you, it might not be much of a swap of, of something else to get you into that. Even if you're living on a strict one, it might be just – 
well, I guess I'll have to get rid of that extra cell phone that I only use once in a while. Since right, I have right, four. right, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. So it's something like that. So yep. now what Unbundle happens? Unbundle my Disney Plus. Or <laughs> exactly, right? So now what happens is you have all these guys that came in with $200,000 trucks uh, that are living on PPP and ELDL, uh, EDL loans or whatever the loans are called and are used to see $5 and $6 a mile freight. Well, when the cancellations happened, freight just dropped because basically right, 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 like, right. I'm a, I'm a store. I don't want to pay a lot of money to move freight that I don't need right now. Anyways, I'll wait for the rail. I'll wait for the cheapest truck. I'll wait till I'll need it. Just leave it there. Cause it, my right, store right, right. is full of stuff that I already can't sell. So what happens is, is all these guys that jumped into this and have $200,000 truck payments, who don't have a lot of experience, so they're paying higher insurance, uh, who have expensive trailers, who are out there living the life of 6 and $7 a mile you know, freight, are now been dropping down to what the rest of us know of $2 a mile freight. Right, right, right. Now, right, right. they can't afford, you know, because you know, it's hard to drive their truck and then their Lamborghinis on Saturdays because you know, they were up here. Well, the rest of so what happens is you now see a bunch of these um, guys that were in this that are going broke. And I think I just pulled up another one that's going broke in California. If you pull up freight, I think it's, it was right on there. Um, freight waves is a good one for that. And another one's going bankrupt. And I, you know, uh, a, a really good point about this human action versus cost, right? These guys got into freight shipping. Why? Because the profit margin increased. Yes. Right. The price went up, which a lot of us thought, was because the cost went up. Like people, oh, well, it costs more to ship. Well, if it costs more to ship, then the profit margin would have remained the same or, or, or it would have eaten into profit margin. Instead, what happened was the profit margin went up. Why did profit margin go up? Because the cost was, the, 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 the cost of this freight went up by something other than the cost of actually shipping. Yeah, the shipping went the, up by, yeah. The bigger thing too is for people need to understand is what they have a hard time understanding is when you, the biggest conversion I see people is to transfer from an employee to an employer mindset, right? Right. So normally wages don't come down. Normally when wages right. go right. up, right. they stay up. Okay. Right. Like it's, it's very rare. I'm not going to say it's never happened, but it's, it's far more, you know, never come down. So when truck drivers saw this, they, they looked at it like wages rather right. than, um, right services does that make yes. sense yes that so, makes a lot of sense so the guy used it. to be an employee and now he's an owner but he's not thinking like an owner right so he's looking to saying, well it's never going to come down once it's up here it's up here right i right, mean right, right. Come right. down well it's not a wage bro <laughs> right so it it's it does come down like and i think a lot of because uh, i've talked about this a lot to, to, to it's like uh, it now has it come down this fast? No, I'm shocked how fast it came down. Be, but it's that's the effect of that bull whip, right? That right, that right. A whip. It's it's not up and then down. It's 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 a whip, and they put us into a whip. So now, yeah. and you said also warehouses, right? There's people who went out and I guess started warehouse companies or yeah, they bought like warehouses uh, or had to build warehouses. Um, Amazon basically had a bunch of warehouses that they were building that. People are like, see, they knew this was coming. No, Amazon knew the price of warehouse money was skyrocketing. So they right, sold right, the right. warehouses and made a huge profit on them. And then they'll, once it collapses, they'll buy them back. They're not done. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're Amazon, they're smart because they're smart, not because they're an idiot. They saw a potential opportunity. 
I, I've got warehouses. You want them? Buy them for this price. Wait a couple months. You'll be broke anyways. <laughs> I'll buy them back. I'll buy them and, back. And, I, and I'm waiting for that, you know, news to come out that Amazon's now buying warehouses, right? Because, right, right. but this is what you have. So you have that truck drivers jumping in. And remember, there's no business, there's no business required. You don't even need a business model. You don't even need, um, you need like a, a CDL license. You don't need any specific training to get your, your authority. And now it's good or bad. Well, yeah. You, you know, and, and getting back to what you said about part of the problem with the, with the shipping uh, was that we were ordering large quantities of things we didn't order before, like screens and stuff. Right. And this also applies to truck parts, right? Because people were saying, oh, there's a shortage of, you know, automotive. Parts. Well, yeah, because these guys suddenly bought all these trucks. Correct. That didn't exist well, right. before, right? And then they need- well, that you had a bunch of trucks. And, and, and the other part was the automotive parts was people focus like they change their like when business happens business if if i'm selling this but this is skyrocketing right now let's exactly our business over to that we'll get back to the parts when those are needed right now this this computer chip for these monitors are needed rather than this computer chip for this truck is needed as much right right yeah and 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 same thing when you said the price of the truck went from a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand well the cost of making it didn't go up very very much not, so it means there's a great much. profit margin, which means more right. companies went into producing and selling these trucks. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and like you said, they may have turned their back on some other business they were doing because oh, I'm going to make more on these trucks for right now, and then I'll stop and go back to the other thing later. Right. So then now, and, and this, so this, and what's happening now is we're now seeing the purge, the great purge, because what they call, and like I said, I've sent you the articles, is basically because these guys who have no idea about trucking, who jumped in for this, who know, have no idea about business, they have no idea about economics, they have no understanding of the industry, they just got their license, got their authority, and started making money, are now learning that this is welcome to supply and demand. Welcome to yep. economics. And welcome they have to make payments on these trucks. And now they and have they to make have the income. And we literally have people who took out $200,000 loans from the government that, that to keep their business open that no longer have a truck and no longer has a trucking business. So now could that be forgiven? I'm not an accountant. I'm not in any way. I have no idea how tax laws work or write-offs work or, you know, in regards to this, to these loans, but it still might. And dude, I just gave you $200,000 to keep your business open. Six months later, you're closed. Do you want to explain this? To right. Me? I yep. mean, that's still something that the government's probably going to look into, even if they do write off the debt. And yeah. You I mean, Regardless of whether or not they write it off, the guy can't pay it back. Right. So the money's gone from the government books. Correct. It's not coming back. Right. So, so somebody is going to look into how did you, what did you do with your $200,000 to keep your business open and then go under in four years? I mean, right, I'm sorry, right, go under right. in six months. Right. Um, and, and regardless of what the findings are, though, it's not going to come back on the books. I mean, this right. is just a loss. But Man, this, this is this is madness. So I wonder if we can quantify. I wonder if we can find out how many new trucks there were, or how many loans, how much money came from the government. Oh, that would data. all be really interesting. Yeah, there's data because that, that's what I'd like to see. Because, like I said, we're now on the downturn. Um, so I'm going to start to put. Um, I want. I'm going to. I want to start to dig into the peak numbers. Right. Because right? I want to know where the peak's at. Because and then I'm going to wait and to see. Okay, we're at this point. Where I mean, because I'll send you the stuff that I that they're putting out there, but. The peak numbers were like it was astronomical amount of carriers that jumped in, that right, new authorities, right. new people. But now the biggest problem is is that they're burnt, right? So right. if you're, and this is my problem with the industry is that you came in, 
you thought you were going to make this money. You lost everything, right? right? You're not going back to trucking. Right. You're not going back. to. So now we've lost uh, somebody that Cassidy. maybe if would have came in on a slow roll or would have been taught properly about trucking might have stayed in the industry. They ain't coming back. They're, right, right, right. These ones, you're not coming back. I mean, in 2008, I lost everything. I lost a truck and things like that. But I and I decided I had to make a decision: either keep truck driving, or move forward with my freight brokerage and the logistics aspect. And for me, it was like move forward with the logistics aspect. I've got a better mind for for, for the logistics and, and and that type of view. And I built my business from there. But even in 2008, if I wasn't, I ha- I've been in in 2008. I've been driving. Before that, probably, let's see, six years, seven years. Like, I've been in the industry. Like, I knew. Right, right, right. So it was, if it would have been, like, either drive truck, like, these guys are not going to become freight brokers. They're not going to become no. specialists because they have no time in the industry. I had a chance to make that decision and chose right. my path. They're just right, out. Right. They're just out. I mean, it's about, like, it's about like during the, the you know, because I worked on Wall Street during the big, uh, you know, internet boom, financial boom in the, you know, mm-hmm. late 90s, right? And there were guys that literally, literally worked in Blockbuster Video for $5 an hour, you know, on Monday. Tuesday, they landed a job as an IT guy at a financial firm for $80,000 a year. You right. know, just, just made tons of money, right? But when the bubble burst, and these are the first people to lose their jobs. Right. And they... They didn't have the skills or or the knowledge or the experience to to do something else. You know, they wound up probably back at back at blockbuster video a lot. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what's happening here. So you, and this is what's happening. So now, so then the next time you have any type of kickoff, these guys aren't coming back. So you have right. people which and then drives the price up more because you have less people willing to jump into that because they'll be like, "Oh, you, did you see what happened to Jim over there last right, time? Right, right, right. You lost everything." And with social, so you now have an even worse situation if we have some other type of event that takes place that does that same bullwhip effect. Right, and right. you're not going to have, so now the bull, and this is where the bullwhip, it gets bigger and bigger. And now it's eventually the next one is this size because this one was here, then it fell off. So right. now you have that pricing because now you have less drivers that are willing to come in. So now you have freight rates instead of being six dollars, they're ten dollars a mile, because you right, have less right, trucks right, that are willing right. to jump in to do that. What what happened to the size of our merchant fleet? Did uh, did that increase at all? Uh, well, that's another issue we have, and another one, uh, the best one to cover is what's going uh, what's going on in shipping is sell. Uh, our merchant fleet is horrible. We don't have that many U.S. bound ships, and of course you have the Jones Act, but we don't have that many U.S. When um, I was a merchant marine, there were, I think, 1,500 ships in the U.S. fleet. Let me pull that up right now. Hold that thought. Uh, U.S. merchant. Sh- it's right here, and I won't let me log in because I have to pay. Why do I have to pay? I just have to. All right. We can find it out in post. Yeah, <laughs> I'll find out post. I'll, actually, I'll edit this out make us look smarter than, than that real quick. Because we'll- <laughs> the, the exact right. number is. <laughs> yeah. But no, I seven hundred. Okay, there were seven hundred merchant ships. Either way, I know there's not. There's. I didn't think there was fifteen hundred. Okay, I think there's a lot less now. But we're twenty seventh. We're still twenty seventh. What you would think? I mean, that, even that, even that, right? So you're going to increase the number of trucks and warehouses, but you're not going to. And, and we increase the capacity of our ports as well, right? During the COVID. Uh, the capacity? No. We we basically did pop up ports is what we did. Okay. 
So we didn't like uh, a little bit they bought, but a lot of the stuff that they solved at like Long Beach and Los Angeles really didn't have any place to go, right? Because there really isn't. Okay. They're right there, right? Savannah right, like had some more. Yeah. Um, and then they did what's called pop-up ports where they basically towed stuff, you know, to a pop-up area. Uh, but the they other- also rerouted freight through ports that it wouldn't normally have gone through is that correct like yeah that's what they're doing now like now ports coming from china is now going to ports and that's the other stuff that you have to look at like these ports are not government owned they're privately like, they ran by the cities and then you have right. you know private companies that, that compete against you know pay for this stuff so you these ships might have contracts with long beach and los angeles but they don't have a contract with Oakland. So now you have to negotiate a contract for the ship to come into that port through the unions oh, and then right. go in yeah, there. So sure. it, it's not a real big, a quick thing where we're just like, all right, we can't go here. Just head up North. No, we got to, right. now we've got to negotiate this. We got to find out if they can handle our draft. We got to find out if, you know, because they won't touch the, our stuff if we're not under contract. Um, and then, you know, what's the price for this port compared to the price to offload at this port. And then you have the Panama Canal, which could cost a million bucks to get through. Um, if you're going to China, now. well, it, it's managed by China because I got managed by China. They say that. Um, did, did the did the longshoremen do better during the COVID? Uh, well, they were obviously jobs for them, but then even then, they were basically you know you still have unions doing union stuff, so you yeah, know, yeah. so many hours, and even though we wanted to extend hours. We had to get the unions to approve the extended hours and work 24-7. And even then, they said they were working 24-7, but they really weren't working 24-7. So, right, exactly. But it, it was, again, it takes, now the government can come in under a state of emergency or some type of, you know, military act and take over the ports, uh, right. but they never did. They, they and, and you don't want them to, per se. No. You really want the cities to, to say, hey, you know, get your act together, boys. Let's yep. get this. so you want pressure from the federal government to say, yep. "Hey, let's go get your act together." What do you need? Yep. Make it happen. But you no, really I strongly agree with that. Once you get the government involved, it's going to be very inefficient. And local governments, like they know a lot better what's going on. You know, right in that port. Yeah, and and that's how I looked at it too. It's like I everybody's like, "Oh, we just need to take it over and send the reserves." No, no, you don't want that. You know what I right. mean? You just want the government to pressure them every day. Hey, 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 hey. You know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? It, it's it, But you want local government to do local government things. That's what right, they're right, there right. for. And when yep. we start giving that up, we give up a lot. And yep. that's what people don't understand either. When, what yeah, you- I agree with that. And, and with production, too, you know, people were saying, like, oh, there's shortage of this and that. The government should have factories or government. Fa-. I'm like, dude, the last thing you want is, like, government factories making you know, right, consumer Private, products. I mean, consumer products, right? I mean, it's, it's it, you want an emergency situation. You want to you you want to make sure that it is, this is a last resort. We got no choice. You know, a, yep. a ventilator yep. situation, maybe, but toilet it, paper, no, thank you. you, you if see, you look at that uh, that baby formula thing, honestly, I I think it was fine the way it was settled. You know, it, it they became aware of the problem, and within a couple of weeks, they they found you know five six different workarounds that were all a little bit more expensive, whatever but you get around it and then eventually, right. you know, supply and demand situation, you just leave it to the, to the markets, right? Somebody's going to see that as an opportunity to make money and then they're going to expand their production or whatever needs to be done. Right. And, and it's the same thing. I don't want, you know, I want phone calls made before I want boots on ground, right? Exactly. In regards to exactly. a private industry. Hey, 
Uh, do you do do I need to come down there? It's like if do I need <laughs> to make that parent make me right? come down there? Don't make me come down there. And that sometimes that fires up people because it's the, yep. the that threat. And and to me, that's where government needs to be until they absolutely have to be there. Yep. And there's and that's no effectively what they did, I guess, with with, right. with the. And the baby so this formula, is, yeah. Exactly. So this is some of the stuff too that they get a ton of, you know, everybody wants to complain left and right about this and about that. And it's like, dude, would you stop it with the government? Would you please, yep. please stop it? I don't want yep. them babysitting me. You nope. know, free I, markets, free markets, free markets. Right. I want them overseeing, but I don't want them babysitting. Right. I mean, I want to be able to make a phone call and say, hey, is this right? Uh, no, we'll make a phone call down there and get that fixed for you. But I don't want them rushing down there with with you know boots and gates and police and and padlocks and and it's like what are you what are we doing? And that yep. seems to be the answer for some for everybody now is they need. I'm like guys, you you do know that the president of the United States shouldn't uh, he shouldn't be doing half of the stuff that they you put out a good thing today. I don't know if it was today, technically it was yesterday. Um, it, I don't want the president of the United States uh, campaigning for midterm elections. I don't oh, yeah. think that's his I, job. I, I cannot believe that. I, I was going to make a joke when you were talking about the, the Russian disinformation. I was trying to think of how to, how to formulate this as a joke, but like, oh, yeah, Russia's even making us think that the president hates one of the parties. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but like, how is the White House putting out statements that, you know, you shouldn't vote know. for the Republicans? I don't know. I don't think that a president should be campaigning during a midterm. No. They should campaign yeah. for their own election, but I don't think they should be campaigning. I'm like, I can't endorse you. I'm the an party. acting president. I'm, I'm, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm the acting. Pre That's just me, though. I'm the acting That's president. Madness. I got to yeah. work with both you people. I can't endorse you. What are you what are you talking about? I can't endorse anybody. I'm the acting president that has to work. The people need to pick you. Yeah. If I, I was if I was the president and I'm not saying I am. Yet, if I was the president, though, I'd be on the TV going, it's really important that you vote, get out and vote. If you're really upset about the way things are going in the country, you have to vote. You vote for the party that you believe, you know, it's going to settle, settle those problems. I mean, that's what the president should be Correct. doing is encouraging people Correct. to vote, reminding people that, yeah, things are bad right now. We have a lot of problems. So get out and vote for the party or the or, or the politician who you believe is going to help solve those problems. Right. They shouldn't be campaigning for one party over the other no I, I don't i don't believe that should be allowed in any way and 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 this is to me this is where you start to get problems in, in divide in the country because look when it comes down to it i don't know if everybody knows this or not we have a uh a system that technically checks and balances that the president is the last on the list he doesn't make laws he right. he comes out and says this is what i need done figure it out yep. call me when you're done i got some stuff yep. to handle i handle trade and I handle national defense, but um, work on this. Get back to me. Yep. And then that's their yep. job to say, okay, we got it. Take a look at this. Uh, yep. Nope. Veto. Or that works. Let's do it. Right? Yep. And yep. Eh, people don't understand that, but it's so simple. It's so simple. And the reason we have that is because we don't want to be Mao and China. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, Xi Jinping holds the top three positions in the government. Yes. You know. I just I just wrote a piece on it. I, I don't know if it got published yet. It might get published tomorrow or something. But yeah, but like just explaining how, you know, there's no checks and balances in their system. Correct. You know, and our system has checks and balances. We have three branches of government. The judiciary is independent. Um, e even the Fed, the reason why the Fed is private is so that they won't be a slave to politics or re-election. Right. Now, that doesn't always work out. Right. You make arguments on both sides. But that is the reason. That is the reason. You know, whether... 
whether you feel feel it works out or not. But the point and is, we have these checks and balances. To me, if you were to go around and ask people, what's the job of the what is the jobs the president's major jobs major? Um, what's he, you know, he allocated to specifically be handling? <laughs> I bet you people couldn't answer. Right. I, I mean, do I know everything? No, because obviously there's probably some stuff, obviously executive orders and stuff. But I would basically say, look, I know he handles. He's a military, and I know his job is to handle trade with other countries. Um, yep. I know that's his, you know, forte. He's supposed to be handling that and in, in that international. Well, uh, by definition, if there's an executive order, it means he's doing something he's not supposed to be doing. Correct. Right. No, or and not that he's not supposed to be, but that he's not already empowered to do. Otherwise, he wouldn't need to make an executive order. Correct. And that's why I say, so for me, it's, it's, you know, I can name those two things, you know, like military and he's, his job is to technically handle trade and, and trade negotiations. And that's, that's pretty much all I know. So if there's yep. something in there that's fine tuned, well, I'm not a constitutional scholar, right? But right, at least right. I know his role in government. Yes. Yes. And if you could come to me and say, well, what's Congress do? Make laws. Their job right. is to sit down, negotiate, go back and forth and debate what's best for the American people and based on their contingents. The House of Republic, uh, the House is basically the same thing on a bigger format, and they kick it up to the Senate and the Senate and the, and, the, and the, that type of stuff. And then, of course, the judges say yay or nay. They don't have right. the final say right. either way. But we think they that interpret the, the law. They interpret they the law. That's the, law. the definition. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's the 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 the, the gist of my our government. Yeah, and, and, the, and the president should not be going on TV and saying. Uh, it's a dangerous precedent in our country when the judiciary can independently interpret Correct. law. Correct. Well, no, that's that's actually that's the, the system. That right. is the, system. It's the <laughs> definition of the judiciary. All right. And this is where, like I said, and, and it's like, well, then that leaves all the power in the in the judiciary. No. So then no. it goes back to the Senate and the Congress and they say, OK, that one didn't work. We got to reword this so that it will work. And then yes. they do they figure out, you know, it, or it might never work. And they find yes. out that there's no way we can word this for it to work, right? Yes. But that's right. it, 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 that's how the system is tweaked, and it, I, it and I don't know. People just can't. My attorney, my attorney in New York, my my attorney brought up a really good point that I missed. He goes, they they ordered the court to shut down because of COVID. He goes, yeah. the executive okay. should have no authority over the court. We're Correct. independent. I'm like, man, point. no, and I didn't hear anybody else make that argument. You know. Correct. I mean, we're not talking about, hey, there happens to be a threat in this building at this time. Everybody out of here. We're talking yes. shut down for three months. What? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And All people sitting in jail that didn't get due process. People right. released from jail who had committed horrible, you know, whatever, right. you know. And this is the stuff, like I said. So this is the problem I have is that, look, I might not know every way the system works. But if you came to me and you said, name the three branches, I could. If you came yep. to me and said, what's their basic job and their roles? I give you the gist of it. On a yep. you know on a, a on a somewhat educated comparative level, um, but I'm not a constitutional lawyer that knows their exact things. But it, most people can't. They just think the president makes everything. You know, they used to have civics. I mean, you used to learn civics at school. You used to learn you know good governance or whatever it was called, and you had that class in school. And you're like, what is the president? What is the House of Representatives? What do they do? You know, and uh, we don't do that anymore. And right. but you have all kinds of classes telling you to hate, you know. Hate your country. Right. And this the is the system, problem. You know. Right. And and this is the divide that that causes. And once you have a president picking sides and you have a president, you know, basically saying, don't vote this, don't vote that. It's just like at some point you'd be like, dude, I, I'm already in. I don't talk to me until like 2023 because I don't ha I don't have to run until 2023. Right. It, I don't have another you know election till my, my turn in 2024. So I don't know. I, I just don't think he should be able to 
help his side if he's a Democrat at all. He just has to say, right. vote, go vote. Right. You know, right. like what's go going vote. on? Go vote. go vote. Go vote. I don't want to tell you. Besides, pick the person you want on your local, state, federal levels. Yep. See you on November 9th. I mean, I mean, that's pretty much all. I, I, I The fact that he they go out there and they do this and he says that Democrats are going to do this and Democrats are going to do that. It just drives me insane. It, yeah, I couldn't believe today the tweets I was seeing come from the White House. I mean, I just, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's, yeah. You know, one time, yeah, I mean, you, you didn't know who we voted for. Your vote was to keep, be kept secret. Don't tell anybody. Right. I remember right. growing up and, and like my parents wouldn't even tell me. I'm right. like, mom, right. mom, mom, we're related. We're related. You're my mom. I can't tell you. You know what? Fine. Whatever. You know, but you mean, know what happened in the last two years, even if it was your family. I mean, families got ripped apart in the last yeah. two, two and a half years. I mean, even in my family, I have some people that, you know, are so, so liberal or so, you know, they, they went one way or the other that they're not talking to each other now. And this is this is a lot of this is disinformation, to be honest, st- stupid stuff that's being put out there. That's yeah. that's why I caught I caught so much. Um, I, I catch so much stuff that that's out there that I'm like, that's not real. That's not true. I mean, it, people oh, man. stuff out there. I'm like, that's, that didn't happen. I read headlines, you know, I, you know, it's part of my job. I mean, I have to read, I read about maybe 300, I'm sure at least 300, you know, headline today. And then, and then I click through and I get, you know, the stuff that I need to get, you know, for my work. But I, but I subscribe to like all these news feeds and it's just like all day. I'm just constantly reading, you know, the headlines. So what do you like half? Like seventy percent of headlines, I read the headline. I go, that absolutely did not happen. <laughs> exactly. So, what do you? The way it's presented, like, there, yeah, the you, way it's presented there, that did not happen. And if I read and, and and I play this game with myself, where I go, I'm going to predict what really happened. Like I, I, I have no prior knowledge, but given the headline, I'm going to tell you what actually happened. And I read it. Sure enough, what I thought, you know, this is what happened, not what's in the headline. The headline was some. You know, sensationalized, you know, nonsense. Yeah. All right. So if you like what you heard here and you want to make sure you can stay up to date, make sure you check out sagenewslive.com. That's my website. It's also going to be where you're going to find where I'm also at. Uh, podcast, Spotify, a- Apple, um, Twitch, Vimeo, all these other places, not just on YouTube. So if you're looking to listen to me on podcast or anything else, you can go ahead and hit up the website. Also, upcoming streams, things I'm going to be having. And if you're looking for factoring for under 2% with one of the best factoring companies out there, definitely check me out on uh, my website. Go ahead and shoot me a text or email me about the information. I'll reach out and get you hooked up like a tow truck. As always, stay safe, stay out.